You know, Hugo, life isn't nice. It's contingent. People who say they love you also fuck you. So this is an explicit plan to fuck the deal. Me rule the world. And you can come, but it won't be a collaboration, okay? You'll be my dog. But the scraps from the table will be millions. Millions. Happy? Woof. Woof. Hello, welcome to The Extra Credits, a podcast that will never sell you out for a share price. (laughs) I'm Trey. And I'm Kelsey. Today we are talking about Succession Season 4, Episode 9, Church and State. Yeah, we are. Love the title. So many won't feel this way, I think, but this is probably one of the greatest episodes of television I've ever seen. Oh, well, okay. I feel that about a lot of Succession episodes as far as television (laughs) goes, but... I've been waiting for this episode all season. It's the Super Bowl, like everyone's together. And although I was, you know, expecting Stewie as longtime listeners know, but... I can't believe we got no Stewie. I know. Wild. I I tried to look for him in the background, like the second time I was watching and I only saw Sandy. So he has to come in the The last episode. Yeah, Yeah, I I have... I'll save it for my predictions. Okay, But I've been waiting for the funeral all season. Yeah. Although I don't know if like this particular episode, I I really loved episode eight and nine, like America Decides and Church and State. So I'll have to think about it. Like right now, I can't pick one with a clear mind. Well, we don't need to. And I also know I'm in the minority on saying this is one of the greatest episodes in television I've ever seen because this episode I know is missing those succession gags or bits that we all love or like Logan cursing out his children. Obviously, he's dead, so he's not doing that. But all of those like parts of succession that people feel are like very entertaining and give us like an evil antagonist to watch out for and someone who's trying to destroy their family in the country the past four seasons. I know we all love those bits, but to me, church and state has such great emotional payoff for all the siblings. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't know if cathartic is the right word, but it feels that way. Seeing these siblings become their final form of terrible selves yeah, now like, that say it. Logan yeah. is dead. <laughs> exactly. And like this funeral almost feels like a, a conclusion to their arcs in a lot of ways. Like watching Kendall become the neo-Logan, this paranoid, power-hungry, insecure man, just completely delusional, thinking he's protecting protecting his children by running Waystar yeah. and thinking Logan built civilization from the mud. Yeah. And then watching Roman's pre-grieving strategy of deflecting like all human emotion and leading to him going through this ironic viral outburst moment of emotion that is both sad and sort of darkly funny considering Roman makes fun of everyone who is Mm -hmm. emotional in this show. And then finally with Shiv watching her trying to out strategize all the men in her life and become the next Waystar American CEO after Matson's potential takeover only for Matson probably to throw her under the bus, like all the men do to women in the show. And then her literally telling people she's going to raise her child like she like how she was raised, mm-hmm. basically becoming her own worst nightmare, which is her mom or dad. All of these siblings and all of them meeting these different fates is so emotionally devastating, but I yeah. think has been super satisfying. Yeah. Well, I feel like last episode we talked a lot about how the what Armstrong said, right? There's this collision of personal Mm -hmm. politics and corporate identities within the children that are all clashing and they have to basically make a decision and double down on what they think is ultimately more important. And Mm -hmm. we see them like really 
um, actually struggling to come to terms with that. Like yeah. we said, Shiv was watching PGN on her own in a room yeah. when ATN is actually her reality. Yes. Kendall saying like, am I a good guy? And telling his daughter at the very beginning of the episode that he'll protect her. Um, and yeah. then flipping at the end just because his sister uh, went against him and saying, call it. And then Roman, you know, just really doubling down on what we've been seeing all series and what we've been talking about, like since our season one deep dive, I think like now they are really coming to terms with it. Like mm-hmm. intellectually, they're like, okay, yes. Like I am going to now be this. This is, um, I'm now Darth Vader. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they're all their Sith Lord final they're putting forms. on the suits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad like Armstrong isn't, condescending us with some crazy finale that doesn't fit with the tone of the show because I think in different hands that would happen and I also don't think he's going to give people what they want when it comes to entertainment value in the finale of this show I think that the finale of this show is going to match the tone of this episode which is going to be like very silent moments and when people do speak to one another it's going to be extra cutting because there is going to be like four seasons worth of context and emotional weight in everyone's faces. <laughs> and you could really feel that in this funeral episode. There were so many quiet moments that were brutal. So I'm just, I'm really high on this episode. Yeah. It almost feels like it's a funeral for the kids lives up until this point, because yes, I agree. They've been da- backstabbing each other, but there's also like this rock that they have, which is Logan, which is their dad. Mm-hmm. And they come back together because of the power that he kind of wields, but also because they're all like circling. Um, they're all in the same orbit around like planet Logan. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think that now that he's dead, we're going to see what we were talking about last episode, like the characters becoming Logan and then maybe estranged siblings in the future, like you like we're seeing them kind of solidify their tracks yes. and pick their, their, their sides to double down on, which is themselves yeah. <laughs> ultimately self-interest. Yeah. yeah. And so I think you're right that we like have all this context and it is going to be much more cutting like with that understanding of who the siblings are and basically what they're sacrificing, which is ultimately to become Logan. So I I also love this episode. I I do love America decides for like the political reasons Mm -hmm. because it felt like the Pierce family gathering, which is one of my favorite episodes from season two, probably the whole series, like besides the finale episodes, they have their own special place. But the reason I do love this episode besides those really like those moments where Kendall gives his speech, which we'll talk about and the, the siblings kind of uh, like deciding their alliances Mm -hmm. is that this was the first time I felt like Logan was dead. I don't know about you. Like I was kind of in shock, probably similar to the characters like where he just died one episode, episode three, right? Was that episode yep, three? It was episode yeah, and, three. And I was like, oh, okay, wait, Brian Cox isn't in the show anymore. Yeah. I guess Logan's not here. This is weird. And this episode, I finally like, I guess funerals in real life. It just felt final. Um, yeah. And I think the children feel that too, right? Like we see them asking about who their dad was really was like fully processing his legacy, yeah. which is not <laughs> this myth that they've built up, which is that he's actually a terrible person. Like they knew in their hearts. Yeah. And, and so I think that's why I think this episode is really special for me. Cause it's the fine, the final time I realized, Oh yeah. Like Logan's dead. These kids are on their own. Yeah. And it also feels like the most therapeutic of all the episodes. Like, I feel like this is the episode where Jesse Armstrong is actually inviting the audience to psychologize the characters where it's been really difficult to do that 
aside from maybe Kendall from this whole show, you really had to use context. Whereas Kendall is like a uh, raw nerve of emotion. Some of the other characters like Shiv and Roman have been kind of hiding a lot of their past. Where in this episode, it really feels like everything is seen. Like you yeah. really see people for who they truly are. You know more about their past. You know more about their contradictions. You know how they're lying to themselves. And I think com- coming at a funeral makes sense. Yeah, well, I think especially for like in the previous seasons, we see them make choices out of like motivation to get power. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, we have a podcast so we're looking at the actual personal intentions of the characters and like, like you said, how they're lying to themselves and how that creates their really toxic behaviors. So, narrative. so yeah. yeah. So I think like, uh, now it's coming to like full fruition. You're right. Yeah. All right. Let's go see Shivy cry. See Kenny lie <laughs> and see Roman light up the sky light in episode sky. nine. <laughs> let's do it. I don't even know if that's true, but our aunt and uncle certainly did nothing to disabuse him of that notion. They let it lie with him. I always knew that story of what had happened with her. People have occasionally mentioned it uh, in the show, and I've heard people, people have asked me, like, what was that thing? And it just felt like a natural place that a story like that would come out. It's not the key to him, but it's it's one of those things. I think it's not untypical of a funeral, right, where you see a person in a new light, suddenly someone who you've not met from their past comes up and you you discover something new. Not necessarily something that completely alters your sense of them, but just another another angle. <clears throat> My father, Logan, is he in there? Roman says that he's pre-grieved right after the death of his father. Some people do feel that way, right? They feel numb and they don't feel the wave of grief that they're expecting, and that can be a sort of guilty relief. Oftentimes it does come at an unexpected time, and it's not funny at all, but it has the structure of a joke, really, of like, I'm not feeling anything, and then a huge wave of feeling. Okay, so the protein for episode nine, church and state. I can't believe this is our second to last one. Um, in the words of nuts. Frank... Life is short and we should love one another. Um, We opened a Roman right rehearsing the speech for Logan's funeral in the mirror. And he's like, World War II, saddy, sad, sad. The city's on gridlock from the protesters over Macon being announced on ATN last night as the president elect uh, potentially. And all the money movers are in the temple as Ken says, and the funeral is filled <laughs> with the most important political and cultural giants, as Shiv says over breakfast a few days ago, an extension of the coronation demolition derby, as Shiv puts it at the wake. Yeah. And at first I was like, I wish there could have been more jokes about like past presidents at the funeral or, or we would have had some like cameos of, we know who this is supposed to be. That's but interesting. Yeah. I think the point is that the Roy family literally doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> like the kids have been taught, like Shiv says in her speech, yeah. that these people are puppets, right? Like her yeah. dad had kings and queens and presidents coming in and out of his office as they were playing outside. Yeah. So that, we'll, we'll talk about the speeches later. Just to be clear, they don't care about the audience that yeah. is in the funeral. They do care about I what's mean, they going care about the power that's there, but in a certain way. Yeah. But I think yeah. that was the point of not writing jokes. Although I'm assuming in the writer's room, they were like, you know, they, they were probably had that. a lot yeah. left on the board. Yeah. <laughs> So over at ATN, online is peaking, yeah. says Tom, right? <laughs> and he forfeits his wheel spot to Greg, which is so unlike Tom to give up, his, up a position yeah. that would show he's in power in front of all these super powerful people. So yes. 
we will talk about Tom later. Did like, he give that up to Greg or did Greg finesse that? Well, so, I missed that when watching yeah, it. Yeah, so I, when I watched it the second time, we'll, we'll talk more about it, but okay. I think that he basically forfeited it okay. by saying he wasn't coming. All right, I got um, you. So, but I, I don't think he like explicitly offered, and but Greg basically, ran yeah. Off with that. And Greg <laughs> ran with it. We're gonna be talking about Greg <laughs> yeah, a lot this funeral. episode. Yeah. So I, I don't know if he's tired or if tired is a tactic. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but Uncle Ewan and Kendall have unplanned speeches. I cannot wait to talk about it. We also finally find out what happened with Logan's sister Rose. Mm-hmm. And then at the reception after the funeral, Mankin is swarmed by the Roy family. And you were right. Like last episode, you said Minkin was using the Roy boys and I yeah. didn't see that. I remember I was like, well, if Minkin, you know, uh, turns on them, they can just say he didn't win the presidency. And then I quickly understood when I said that out loud that, oh, I was totally wrong. Like the Roy boys are like in Minkin's yeah. hands Perceptions or, because they can't go back yeah. on. They can't just unannounce him as president, They'll lose especially they're in legal issues as yeah. uh, we'll talk about ATN headlines. Uh, I think. Jimenez is like suing or, right. or there's going forward with a lawsuit against ATN. So anyway, Mencken makes a verbal deal with Matson, and supposedly Shiv uh, is going to be American CEO. Uh, it's suggested in this deal, although I'm mm, not likely. We'll see. It's an, I'm not sure how likely either so of those sure, will work out for Shiv or for Matson. Like yeah. Mencken doesn't uh, seem like he might go through that. We'll see in our, in our chess moves, but Ken's rounding up the B team. Yeah. All right. We have the, the evil Avengers. Yes. Assemble. The evil score. It's amazing. <laughs> woof, and woof. he already has Frank right from the coat closet. Yeah. At, at the tailgate party. And now he has Hugo and Colin and he plans to fight Shiv at the board next episode. And he possibly is someone else from Sweden too, which we'll get to later. He definitely does. Yeah. yeah. And so what is the fate of our number one boy? I'm a little stressed. I'm a, I, I don't know what Armstrong is doing here. Like he is giving us the breadcrumb trail mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm like a fool for following it or if it's like, we'll, we'll talk about well, it. Well, last episode we said it was the rise of Neo Logan, you know, Sith Lord Kendall, uh, because his character basically died. And we would say, we said that this episode would be kind of the unveiling of Kendall as this, Okay. terrible figure so, so this kind of makes sense what he's doing he's like showing us that he's going full Logan. my predictions will be pretty sad about what kendall does to people in the next episode yeah okay yeah i have predictions too especially yeah. since we know a, a board meeting and vote is, is coming happening. up yeah yeah so okay the roman rumors were not true yeah trey do you want to tell people like what you saw on twitter and you thought this was possibly spoiled because i can imagine you were so stressed at the end of this episode seeing Roman run into the street. So the rumor that was running on Twitter and I'm like really plugged into succession Twitter right now because of just the podcast and trying to stay up to date with what the discourse is like, even if it's anecdotal and the rumors that were getting retweeted and favorited a lot this past week was that Roman was going to die in this episode. And there were images of him getting beat up in the street coming out. And people were saying that it doesn't look good for Roman at the end of this episode. And then as soon as Roman is told that he effed it by Kendall and Roman storms out of the reception. Yeah. I thought, because we keep getting this imagery of people on balconies or jumping. I thought this might, my TV brain was like, Roman's going to jump um, and he's going to land on a bunch of protesters. Like that's where my brain went. And 
Obviously, Roman did not die, but I do think we can you know, classify this as an extension of what I said two episodes ago when Jerry called him out, which is this is the basically these last three episodes have been the death of Roman as yeah. we know him. And now he is the new version of Roman, which will probably be him for the foreseeable future, which is the tortured, psychologically tormented, stuck in this kind of like forever boy mold Loop, yeah. yeah of this kind of neo-fascist yeah <laughs> figure roman yes and also so trey told me that after the episode that he saw on twitter that roman uh people were saying that roman died this episode yeah and i was like oh my god <laughs> he must have been so like freaked out just seeing him run into the the protest i thought but, he got knifed actually like i thought like when the guy punched him in the uh, protest i oh thought someone no. stabbed he him. elbowed him in the in the eye i know but me expecting that he was gonna die i was like oh, when he like, was like <laughs> looking i don't know if, like if everyone's just watched this episode once but the episode ends with him like holding his stomach like kind of I think he's like bent over a little bit because people are running away from the police. Yeah, but he's like walking away. I'm like, okay, he's going to turn around. There's going to be blood. My TV brain was just so (laughs) (laughs) messed up. Like, uh, I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah, it would have like that would have been a different show, I think. Right. Exactly. But so Roman is uh, like, I think people have said this uh, on Twitter possibly, but like he it really reminded me of like Dark Knight Joker. Yeah. Right. I, I think just because of like the dark city. This right? whole like episode felt very Nolan inspired in the way that its atmosphere felt like the way that they were shooting gray, the protesters. There yeah. was one great shot where the camera panned down to the protesters and then went up to the building like where the reception zigzag. was going to. Yeah, it was very odd. I don't think I've seen cinematography like that before in this show. So, yeah, there, there was a there was just really, really impressive camera work in this one. Yeah. And I guess like Roman's the Joker, but like the uber wealthy like version wanting yeah. to watch the world burn, you know, yeah. like Joker's probably too nice. I think incel is probably like rich incel is kind of the vibe he's giving off right now. I mean, I think, you know, Joker is like incel without r- resources. Yeah. And, like a comment yeah, no. on. All right, let's do yeah. this. Let's do Todd Field <laughs> Joker right now. Let's unpack this movie. <laughs> I once saw a child <laughs> with a ruby the size a of a tangerine. Ru- ruby the size of a tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but Roman is like, like, like Alfred says to, uh, you know, Batman, like some people can't be reasoned with. Some people don't want money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we're just, we're getting ready for a Christopher Nolan pot in July right now in our heads. I, and also everyone just let me know. I've done some Logan impressions and Alfred you know, I'm yeah. just really, I think you're, you do the better putting my resume out there for, yeah. For voice acting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So ATN headlines. <laughs> so we had election news at the very beginning in the morning, right? Shiv's getting ready, talking to Matson, and she has ATN on her TV. There's a headline that Daniel Jimenez, who's the democratic candidate, right? Mm-hmm. Is setting a court injection to block certification of the election results until all absentee ballots are tallied uh, for Wisconsin. So that that might be something coming into the board meeting next, uh, next episode. And then Tom's in the office. And we also see ATN on obviously like there, there are these um, images of protests and the, the headline says protesters are making their way towards the ATN building. And there are demonstrations around the country, specifically in Seattle, Portland, and Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And I definitely thought that we were going to have similar to the safe room episode uh, where they Great think there's episode. a shooter in the building. Yeah. I thought maybe we we're going to have the ATM building like attacked again. That, maybe so that was the that other was big TV, rumor um, brain. Right. Well, that was the other big rumor of this episode because out of all the funeral images coming out before the show aired, mm-hmm. Tom was in, in any of the pictures 
And so people were thinking maybe Tom, it was Tom's funeral and it was like a misdirect. Oh like my he God. Was so <laughs> people are going, predictions wild are going on, wild yeah. right now. Like, I mean, I mean, I understand why the show is breaking minds. Right yeah. Now, so. Yeah. And we'll talk about like, I mean, Armstrong subverts the audience at every finale. So yeah. Great writers uh, room. I, I get like the, the different predictions, but yeah. some of them, yeah, I don't know. But so then we have Ken and he gets out of the car to see Rava mm-hmm. right at the very beginning Tough. when Rava's going out of the city with the kids and someone put this on Twitter too. Um, but I went back just to make sure that someone didn't like Photoshop it, but there was a, a movie poster for Megan. I saw in that. the background. Yeah. Oh, you saw it while we were watching and avatar. Yeah. And avatar. No, I saw this on my Twitter scroll. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I was trying to figure out where it was. And it, that was the scene where he gets out to see Rava and they yeah, the avatar poster. So they must the have cab. shot this in like January or February which means that they, because I've been wondering how they've shot this show and put episodes in certain places because Sarah Snook is more pregnant in real life and, or she is pregnant in real life, but she's more pregnant in certain episodes yeah, than others. Yeah, in this episode specifically, yeah, you notice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah January was 6th was when Megan released to theaters. Okay, so, so it was probably late December or January. Wow. Yeah, hmm. Okay, so... Quick edit. Then, okay, here's the ATN headline I'm so excited to tell you about. So... We see Tom looking at the newspaper story, right? Everyone saw that. There was the infographic of the major players in how Wisconsin was called, mm-hmm. right? And the Minkin uh, presidency potentially was announced. Yeah. And it says the controversial call at ATN. And we have like Darwin big at the top with like paragraphs and Tom and Pam underneath. And then like the siblings, right? You saw mm-hmm. that in their yeah. own column. Okay. I took a picture to see if I could close, you know, zoom in yeah. and see what it says to see if I could read it. And it's amazing. I wish they actually just I love like, that you did this. went in a little because it would be so great, especially for people who loved the, the scene from last episode. Okay, so here's what it says uh, at the top with Darwin, right? There's that picture of him in the paragraph. Mm-hmm. Mr. Perry has headed up the ATN decision desk for the previous four presidential elections. However, his authority was undermined on this presidential election night with the closest to Mr. Perry citing the loss of his protector, Sid Peach, as a key factor. Oh, Oh, wow. Pressured by Roman Roy and later Mr. Tom Wamsgams into supporting the Wisconsin projections, Mr. Perry has since told sources that he bitterly regrets his decision. Another mitigating factor. Here's the best part. Not a big fan of Wasabi. He just wanted to Here's the best part. Another mitigating factor in Mr. Perry's failure to push back against the minking call was the occurrence of a freak workplace accident, (laughs) which terribly, or or, sorry, temporarily blinded Mr. Perry as the call was being deliberated. Oh, we got to put that online. I know. We have to tweet this. I was was waiting to tell you before this. Wow. He later told colleagues he believed the accident may have impaired his ability in the high-stress pressure cooker environment of election night. And then we have the timeline below. And it says at 12.15 a.m., or I think it's to like 1 a.m. or something, mm-hmm. Darwin injuries or injures uh, eye at critical moment. A critical <laughs> moment. That is hilarious. Which, you know, we see that whole idea of like Tom saying, oh, well, you know, there's not much of me in here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm, I'm fine. And <laughs> like, it's all over the different uh, paragraphs that you zoom in on. So it was hilarious that Tom just like looked at it and was like, oh, well, my face is on here like twice. So I think I'm good. I'm good. And then the siblings have their own comment column, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it says different things, which I think are key to our conversations later about 
what Mankin is going to decide to do with the children. So um, I'm not going to tell you the whole paragraphs, okay? but I'll just tell you like the headline for them. So Roman Roy says like key Mankin supporter. So Roman and Tom are cited all over this, uh, this page of like making that decision happen. Okay. And Roman Roy was like pressuring Tom Wom scams and, but Tom still made the decision. Then it says Siobhan Roy vehemently opposed to Mankin. Okay. Which like, that will come into our conversation later where he, I think wants to hear that whoever he's working with agrees or sympathizes like right with his ideology. ideology yeah. And then we have Kendall Roy Minkin skeptic who didn't stop the Wisconsin call, but then it later goes into Kendall's paragraph specifically was really interesting where he's been under fire because he publicly, we know in season two uh, at, in the finale said like, uh, Logan Roy's my, terrible. My father's He's covering not fit up all this to run stuff. the company. Yeah. But then it says like now it's getting kind of like muddy because he is in the company again. Mm-hmm. And so that was an interesting paragraph about like Kendall um, and and how he is viewed as the, by the public. Yeah, a contradiction. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then Roman Roy, late Minkin uh, convert, and it goes into how he is like a, a been a quiet sibling until now, but and and finally like gave over his the votes to wait to just to be clear this is in the newspaper with tom when he's in the newsroom yeah okay okay yeah so it it's that newspaper he holds in front of greg all and right. the biggest also thing greg's like not on the sheet at all oh, right amazing so so that's also interesting and always I, behind the scenes tom's like what did someone talk to a reporter like who who did this and greg's like yeah i mean like not everyone wants to be tried for war crimes you know like <laughs> 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 but um you know it's like when greg the reason I thought maybe Greg first talked to the people is because it's like uh, Logan's biographer. Yeah. Right. Where he was like, oh, I pre meet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to the pre meet. <laughs> That's what it was and last Bore episode. Pre meet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, Bore on the Floor episode, right? He talks to the person writing a book about Logan. Hunting, and so I was yeah. like, did Greg talk to the press? But yeah. I think it's more likely that Darwin did because we see all I these things so. that he's probably going to put Especially the in workplace his accident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because then uh, Tom later on tells uh, Greg over the phone that Darwin's probably resigning. So, <laughs> oh uh, my God. okay. So anyway, wow, thanks so for catching all those to, to tell you that. How like how much zooming in did you have to do on the images? Oh, it was blurry. Okay. I was I was really like okay squinting um, to make nice. it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great podcast research right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a professional. <laughs> okay, let's get to our awards. Um, okay. So cringiest moment, tragic moment, funny moment, and we'll get to our chess moves and our second to last uh, ranking for yeah. number one boy. But I feel like this episode, it was tough because some of my cringy were also like sad right next to them. Do you know what I mean? Like I had trouble placing some of these. So so I think we should start off with Uncle Ewan's speech. I just want to like- For the cringiest moment? For the cringiest okay, moment. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I know it's kind of tragic, but it's I think the only speech that goes in- cringy first off this is probably the last we'll see of james cromwell as uncle ewan he's incredible oh i think he'll be in the board meeting next uh week i mean i would love that i think we're gonna get like a bunch of major players is that what you think is gonna happen i was gonna wait to our predictions you think we're gonna go to the board meeting next week because i think they made the the comment that we might go to the caribbean next week yeah. Okay. So that was another prediction. Okay. That yeah, I think we're gonna go to a bunch of different places similar to I love that. which side are you on episode where yes. we like have that Kendall is the going and flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where he has to like he fly last it. minute yeah. to 
to get someone on his side for the right. vote and he does but then he you know obviously like doesn't make it to the meeting in time to kill his dad so i was like are we gonna see like uh adrian brody like are we gonna see stewie oh, like he's gonna like we're gonna go around and have like a final uh showdown yeah yeah exactly so we talked a lot about james cromwell as uncle ewan and how he is kind of a contradiction as a character because of his you know liberal values that he professes yeah. especially in seasons one through three and we'll talk about that connection to shiv later on in this episode i'm sure in our predictions but one thing he's trying to do in this speech that i think is cringy because he's doing it in front of basically a bunch of billionaires is trying to demythologize logan roy yeah and, he's, and it's awesome it's really it's he's cringy, really successful yeah. at it <laughs> nobody in there really likes what he's doing but I do. <laughs> yeah, no one claps for yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was really, really well done. You watched this twice or even three times or something. So I, I didn't pick up every point of this speech. Um, so what were some of your favorite parts of it? Yeah. So, well, are we going to play it? Yeah. Let's go ahead and do that now. I loved him, I suppose. And I suppose some of you did too. In whatever way he would let us and we could manage. But I can't help but say he has wrought the most terrible things. He was a man who has, here and there, drawn in the edges of the world, now and then darkened the skies a little, closed men's hearts, fed that dark flame, in men, the hard, mean, hard-relenting flame that keeps their hearths warm while another grows cold, their grain stashed while another goes hungry, and even has the temerity to tell that hard, <laughs> funny, yes, funny, but hard joke about the man in the cold. You can get a little high, a little mighty, when you're warm. Oh, yes, he, he gave away a few million of his billions, but he was not a generous man. He was mean, and he made but a mean estimation of the world. And he fed a certain kind of meagerness in men. Perhaps he had to, because he had a meagerness about him. And maybe I do about me, too. I don't know. I try. I try. I don't know when, but sometime he decided not to try anymore. And it was a terrible shame. Yeah. So like you said, this speech from UN was really like tearing down this myth or narrative that Logan has built up for the public. Yeah. Right. Um, he, he's like this monster. Um, and, but more so like to his kids, right. We keep like cutting away to the children, like kind of being let in on a secret of like who their dad is, even though it's just a small, a few small things. It like they're finding out their dad was a person or like having to come to terms with who their dad was as a person to them instead of this like 
tech or not tech giant, but corporate giant. Yeah. So the reason though, that I think this falls in the cringy moment, even though I don't think you and speech is overall cringy is that, well, I guess it is. Cause he's like saying this guy was a terrible guy at his funeral in front of everyone. Yeah, he's like the mic world. dropping so at someone's I funeral. I guess it is cringy brother, like, yeah. it, in the like full sense of the speech. But the reason that the snowball gets rolling is because they didn't want him to go up. Right. Yeah. Like everyone's <laughs> trying to, to like, uh, Greg physically tries to stop him from growing up, going up and you, it pulls his arm away mm-hmm. and all the kids are like, Greg, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you know? And Greg's like, what do you want me to do? Like take his legs out. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny in front of everyone, just like the normal Roy family, uh, stuff. So let's talk about the speech though. I, I want to talk about a few parts, but mm-hmm. I love when he first goes up, he says, what kind of people stop a brother from speaking for the sake of a share price, right. like just shaming Great the line. family in front of everyone just at the jump. Yeah. And he makes it seem like he's actually going to say something positive. Like you don't totally know where he's going to go when you're first watching. And yeah. <laughs> because he says, it's not for me to judge my brother. History will tell that story. Like, Damn. Yeah. And then, then he goes on to tell like a, an anecdote about Logan and Ewan when they were younger and they were uh, like, they thought they were going to die. And mm-hmm. he says a four and five year old, speaking only with their eyes. And we cut to Roman and Ken with these like giant eyes looking up at him, like the eyes of boys who are making decisions out of self-preservation, like in that moment, Yes, but feel like they're just children. Like we keep calling them the sibs, like the Roy siblings, everyone calls them kids. Right. Um, and, and they think of them in terms of like Logan Roy's children. And I think they'll always be that way. So it, it was really just a great, I think like visual storytelling, cut for Mark Mylod mm-hmm. to, to have you and tell that story of like speaking with their eyes, like four and five year olds and feeling like the, the Roy children are like almost stunted to a point. Exactly. I think that's a, the exact point they're getting across. Yeah. yeah. That's a great call. I mean, it is, I feel like that image has to be purposeful of only yeah. showing the brothers like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we find out about Rose, which is Logan's sister and mm-hmm. throughout the seasons, We've learned that this is like the only soft spot that Logan has or can be bothered by, especially with the speech from Holly Hunter, right? Yes, um, that's right. Yeah. And then and then we we know that she died of polio, I think. Yes. Or did we know that before? I don't know how we knew. We knew that she, she died, died but yeah. I guess maybe we just found out about polio. But the biggest piece of this is that uh, Logan's uncle and aunt like let... Logan believed that it was his fault that he brought a disease back from school. Mm-hmm. And, Lo- you know, Ewan says they didn't do anything to disabuse him of the notion. They let it lie with him. And I kind of loved that idea because Logan is literally dead, like in front of him and next to the children. Yeah. Like they let him take this idea that he killed his sister to the grave and Logan let himself take that narrative to the grave. And I was just thinking about the kids like right next to him, like that is their future of taking their own kind of narrative that their dad told them like to their graves. Yeah. I guess the thing they'll take to their graves is that Logan, the last thing he said to all three of his, or I guess all four of his kids with Connor is that he loves them, but they're all not serious people. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're serious people. Like I think that like both can kind of 
be true that they're not serious people, but also well, the implication Logan there isn't. is that Logan is serious, but we know that Logan yeah. might be the most unserious person. Yeah, which I think a lot of critics and honestly the audience is missing from the point of the show is that Logan is the potentially the most unserious person yeah. on this whole show, and he's making the world a worse place. Well, we said this in our season one deep dive, but we were like, does Logan even have a business strategy? Like he's just bullying people, like yeah. and it and it comes and he's in debt. Through, yeah, it comes through <laughs> especially. When uh, like Logan's alone with the kids and especially like with Roman or something, he says things that sound like Roman just in a body that is older and like more terrifying because he has power. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like Logan is also not a serious person. And so that's interesting because we've been seeing Logan a lot of the time, like throughout the seasons through the eyes of people in fear of him, like specifically his kids. And like, so we have almost like an, unreliable narrator of how we like prop up like these mega giant leaders of mega corporations. Also the idea of Logan being a serious person in charge of Waystar is like an illusion that it is that he actually is the most unserious person. And the point of this show is the only way for these siblings to become human beings is to check out of this market that Logan thinks is actually influential and like Mm -hmm. helping somehow, which it, it is not. Yeah. And then the last maybe positive thing that Ewan says is I loved him, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And I suppose some of you did too, in whatever way he would let us. But then here's the shift. Here we go. (laughs) The spicy stuff. Let's get to it. Yeah. So he wrought the most terrible things. Hell yeah. And he has closed men's hearts. Yes. Fed that dark flame in men that keeps their hearts warm and another goes cold. So like the first time that (laughs) I listened to this, I didn't, I only got the meager point, which I really loved. And we'll talk about in a second, but that was the best. I really, I mean, Armstrong's writing here is so great. Like he's talking about this idea of like the, the, what self-preservation is and Logan looking at the world, like a market and he Mm -hmm. has to keep his heart warm and who cares if other people's hearts are cold, like people are out in the cold because that's just the way the world is. Right. But really, um, even though we've talked about Ewan being kind of a complicated figure, um, I think we'll talk about that later with like his kind of shiv parallels yeah, yeah. Uh, and his later life. Like he's, he's able to reflect though on the idea that his brother like uh, stashed all this grain, right? Mm-hmm. While others grow hungry. Like that, that is the kind of comparison he's having here. And he was okay with that. Yeah. Like that's the worst part, right? He was comfortable with that. And then he says, and even has the temerity, like Logan has the temerity to tell a hard joke about the man in the cold. And he says, you can get a little high when you're warm. Yeah. And then was it Carl who goes like, yeah, he's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) whatever this guy, this fucking guy. And Ken's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love when he says like he was mean, you know, he like, and this is the, the best line to me is that he, he fed a certain kind of meagerness in men and perhaps because he had a meagerness in him. That's a special, special line. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, it's really, really talking about like he finally stamped it in like a poetic way. Like Armstrong did in this idea that we've been talking about that Logan is not a serious person. Like Logan is this insecure person and he is like basically putting people out in the cold just to make sure that he is okay. And like, he's, you know, he's hurting everyone around him. I'm so curious to what Jesse Armstrong thinks about American film and television critics calling Logan since he's died, like a smart figure that his, that his children are trying to become. 
and just like talking about Logan as this like tactical, tactical business strategist person, leader who you mean uh, American audiences view American Logan critics. I said like film oh. and television critics and audiences too, just because like in this line from you and you know, I guess we can assume that Jesse Armstrong thinks that people who run corporations like this and are trying to monopolize industries are the most insecure men. Yeah. In the they're world. like built up as a smart. Yeah. Yeah, like the, you're right. Like the audience has done when we're when they're talking about Logan. Like Logan's smart, and the kids are dumb, and he's pissed that their kids aren't smart like him. Yeah, and I'm like, I think that he, basically what we've been shown is that his kids grew up with resources, and they didn't have what he was talking about in his speech at the beginning of at ATN with the Xerox boxes, like this, the this spiciness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like this really big like uh, drive or like grind, right? Yeah. That he had. Uh, to to do this like the meanness that yeah. that Ewan's talking about here like his kids don't necessarily have the killer instinct like Logan has uh I'm, I mean, we'll talk about it later because maybe some of them do one of them might but I yeah. think but I think that's like the also the point here is that the the kids maybe aren't uh yes they're not serious people but that kind of like false dichotomy that mm-hmm. has been set up it isn't actually totally true right like right. logan might not be smart he's just a bully like he's yeah. like driving out of fear so and, and he's like a, a fucking drug dealer like he's peddling news around and getting yeah. people addicted to it and then selling it back yeah. to them in the most dramatic like, and it's not smart elevated, to be exaggerated like, ways yeah it's not smart to be like oh like i know the world and so i'm gonna just push dope like in yeah. the algorithms like shifts us to matson at the beginning of this right like <laughs> just because that, you yeah. know the uh, you know like prejudice and like the evilness of the world it's not smart to like sell it back exactly to package it it up and fast food yeah it's absorbent (laughs) but it's like evil so yeah this is the best part too that connects to that when ewan says and maybe i have a meagerness about me too like kind of coming to terms with his brother's death like yeah maybe i've been contradictory like i have wealth and like have been doing this thing where i've been playing both sides like shiv as far as like being more liberal politically or i thought greenpeace was gonna get another shout out yeah yeah i tried to give my money to greenpeace yeah but he says, I try, like, right, at least yeah. I tried. And at some point Logan stopped trying and that's a terrible shame. And I was like, damn, damn, you in like, that was so, it was just so good. Like everything he said was true. And I love when Greg at the end says like, that was a good heart take that you gave <laughs> a hard take. Is that what he says? Yeah. It was a good hard take that you gave that's about great. Logan. <laughs> like it's ESPN or something. <laughs> that's hilarious. That so good. Um, and no one claps. Like everyone's just like looking up. So yeah. And also though, I do want to say something about Greg, like especially how he's been a disgusting brother this season. Like we've really seen the consequences of Greg giving his, his soul over to mm-hmm. Waystar. Like he professes in the end of last season, he tells his mom to shut up. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not something that was totally out of character for Greg, but just so you keep getting like, I mean, surprised, if, if I you zoom out on Greg, we're not going to do the Greg theory right now. And people who are longtime listeners who heard us on our season one deep dive know that like, I've been talking about the Greg theory since episode one, season one. If you go back to watch the episode one, season one, you're like, why is Greg getting so much like screen time here? Yeah. Why is he right next to Logan at every point? But yeah. now that we know about Logan's upbringing, even if sad, still like having privilege and then kind of running away with that wealth and building his own corporation out of his in- insecurities, Greg really is kind of having that arc right now of like coming from his uncle's money. Like that, that 
seems a little I know that it seems like they're not going to do that, but it does feel a little bit too close. Am I wrong there? Like I'm not I'm not going to get too much into my predictions because I don't think that that's where the show is going to end. But it feels like at one point Armstrong was riding Greg it does like this like young that. Logan figure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, because Logan sympathizes with Greg more than or maybe not sympathizes, but he like is proud of Greg in different ways. He is not proud of his children because Greg came from this like seemingly, even though we know he had connections to the family, like all along. Right. Um, idea of, of not like standing at, at the top of the pile of waste right. or like his And then Greg are. will also make fun of Logan when he asks him to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where are your kids, Uncle Logan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think we're going to get to the Kendall speech and the chess moves. Mm-hmm. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Because I so, didn't feel like it, it fit in any category. No, me. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Let's wait. Chess All right. Moves. So then let's go to the tragic moment. Well, oh, wait, so other cringe moments. Yeah. So one last okay. cringe moment. I think the reaction to Shiv's pregnancy from basically everyone I in this episode was tough. Too. Like, yeah. First with Roman, who made Roman jokes and then said yeah, that she obviously was like, like unable to process and reverting to these like sick jokes. Like he's just like still a child in a loop, like we said. Yeah, like him just being like, I thought you were just eating your feelings out. And then you have like Kendall, who does seem to care. Um, it's kind of hard to ever be like on a consistent emotional wavelength with any of the siblings because they're so back and forth. But it does seem like Kendall sort of cares about Shiv. No, I think he definitely does. I, and Until then, this finale where he's going to yeah, probably kill her. Yeah. Um, um, and But then there's also Lucas, right? Yeah. Who was, Shiv was suggesting that she should take the CEO position. Yeah. And it, that moment where she like realizes that he knows now this like, secret that she has to treat it as right that that she's pregnant like yeah he's like oh well you know one you're an experience but two i heard you're pregnant and like this is why she kept it a secret uh yeah because she knows that she's like surrounded by wolves and that her her circumstances are basically like seen as a weakness in the market yeah being a woman she's looked at as a liability exactly yeah and it's kind of what we talked about last episode um at the end of episode eight where Logan says like, I didn't make the world and like, these are weaknesses you're going to have to deal with. Like, yeah. So anyway, I think, I think it's a great like satirical uh, point. No, that, for from sure. Armstrong. And then Matson says, okay, can you do an intro for me? Mm-hmm. Um, after saying she can be the CEO and he smiles as Shiv walks away, which I couldn't totally read. I was like, is he playing Shiv still, even though Shiv like helped him out with getting the India numbers out or I didn't know what was totally happening. I'm sure this is all storyboarded, but I just want to shout out the different editors who work on succession because those are the moments, those lingering shots after a conversation has ended where it just gets the wheels turning and it's probably all just loud noise in the in-between episodes from the season opener to the season finale. Like we've said a lot on the show that all that really matters to understand where the show is going is watch the first episode. It tells you where it's going and that's where the finale will head. But like when you see these moments like Matson, I think you're right that could lead to something, but it could also lead to nothing. That might, <laughs> nothing could come of that next episode, but yeah, I think but we'll see how will. seriously Megan takes Matt's in next episode. Like if they're actually interested or not. So, and then we have Caroline, Caroline. Oh, okay. For how she reacted to Shiv. I actually have yeah. all of Caroline in my funny moments, which Damn. I guess is probably dark, <laughs> but I, Caroline's um, like one of my favorite characters. We go, but go ahead with the cringe piece of this. So more like the silence between words with Caroline. I think the cringy part was, it felt like, Caroline was basically telling Shiv without saying it explicitly, wow, I never thought you could be a mother. And that was a tough response and says it all about like Shiv's relationship to her parents and her biggest fear of becoming them. And then later with Tom, 
and his reaction, I guess, second reaction to Shiv potentially being pregnant and her drinking to kind of like prove to him that he should feel uncomfortable because she is pregnant. I felt like it was so uh, we've been talking about like the kids being viewed as kids, like both through the audience, but through everyone else in the room. It felt so much like Shiv was doing this like um, childlike thing to get like someone's attention, mm-hmm. um, like testing if someone would like care about her yeah. um, by, by, you know, drinking the champagne or whatever wine it was. Yeah. But the cringy part about that scene, probably tragic too. But like when Tom asks her, why did you like not tell me about the pregnancy? And she said, because it seems so sad, but yeah. the way she says it, it's like almost for comedic effect, but it really is kind of devastating. It was so but sad, because yeah. she says it for comedic effect, almost it becomes very uncomfortable <laughs> Yeah, where, where I don't even think Tom replies with anything. He doesn't know how to reply to that. So I, I think- actually had that in my tragic moments because I read it as her saying like it just seemed sad and like her actually meaning it. Yeah, I didn't know if she. I didn't get the her saying it as a, a comedic. Okay, okay, well point. Then that's fine too. And then the but the but just really quickly the the last part I want to say that's cringy about Shiv with the actually pregnancy. no you're right she was kind of saying it sarcastically now that. It, it was like just a weird it. line reading. I think yeah. purposely so. I think it was she was supposed like, well, to have layers so of emotions yeah, there. Like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the last thing I want to say is throughout this whole episode, she keeps bringing up how she's going to raise her child like the way she was raised, um, which I mean, I, I guess that means hiring people to watch her kid. Yeah. And I think that was probably the most painful part of the finale of her arc this season when it comes to like accepting being a mother and accepting this pregnancy is that she is like now telling people that she is just going to raise this child like her. She's like her accepting the emotional legacy of her family and then accepting her. the poison that's dripping through. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that it's interesting. Like I said at the top, it was really difficult to put some of these things in our categories because they yeah. all are overlapping, yeah. right? They're, it's sad. It's cringy. It's funny. Yeah. It feels like we're like in an emotional washing machine well i mean it's actually the reason why it's so genius from armstrong is that yes it's a satire about these like powerful siblings and their family and dynamics but it also feels grounded in the sense of like what relationships and family specifically can feel like right like all the loaded language yeah conversations like yeah there's loaded language like things cut but there's also like like funny things with context, mm-hmm. right? Like we see when Shiv talks to Peter <laughs> and oh, R- yeah. Roman's like smiling, like he really loves like uh, there, there's only like a certain like true, like funniness that you can have with, with inside jokes of mm-hmm. or, or understanding like context that your, your siblings share, or, like people who are close to you share. So I think that's pretty genius. Like the emotional washing machine that you said, like this is all happening and it's going at a high speed and there's a lot of different complicated feelings that like come out of it that are linked. So my last cringe moment, if you're, if you're done with shit is Kendall and Jess. Okay. That's a, my tragic. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was tragic because Ken going full Logan and like separating and gaslighting the only two women in his life at this point, which are Rava and Jess, which I think purposely from a writer's perspective, Armstrong is doing that too because they're women of color and Ken is a person who has been like projecting all of these like progressive values Mm -hmm. about the world when he has none. Yeah. So it's so messed up when Kendall makes Jess tell him. Yeah. And then uh, like she wants to move on because obviously she knows he's not going to react uh, okay because it's Mm -hmm. his dad's funeral and then he walks away after she tells him and is like well nice timing just really thoughtful to tell me right now Jess which (laughs) that part was so cringy to me because I was like Kendall like what the like yeah like you're right it was like him going full Logan 
And he says like the most Logan thing too, where he's like, I'm giving you extraordinary access and there's no other option but me basically, right? Like I am king. And so I think, she, I think he says you're being dumb. Like He says that, yeah. yeah. And I think he also asks like, is this about Macon? And just says, uh, no, I've been thinking about it for a while. So sorry. And yeah. I think he wants it to be about Macon. You know uh, what I mean? Yes. Like he yeah. wants it to be like, oh, well, this is a decision that's outside like of me. Given her a raise or something. If he said it was Macon, yeah. if she said it was Macon, yeah. I think you'd have been like, I get it completely. Yeah. He's, he's a terrible person. You're totally right. I voted for Obama three times if <laughs> yeah, I could have. Exactly like right. here's an extra 15K. Yeah. And so him like not just understanding that he has put her through like all these like rabbit feeding phone calls. Yeah. Although I don't know if she was like one of, there were like seemed to be different assistants in the mix. She's um, been on the phone for like cocaine and stuff. Before yeah. Too with him, yeah. So. Yeah. We, we learned that, uh, when Jess is gone, she, he, he talks to Carolina and he's like, Hey, like Jess used to get this stuff yes. for me. Like, yeah. And also like, you know, being yelled at for a, a printing document for the takeover mm-hmm. at Shiv's wedding, like find it, that. like, you know, just uh, these like crazy tasks. Like, I don't even know when Jess has time to sleep and if she can have a life. Cause he calls her at like every hour. So I have a question though. Okay. Um, where are Roman and Shiv's Jess's? Like we see Shiv's assistant when she schedules a cry session. Oh yeah. But I think this is telling that Kendall's the main character, you know? I think the first episode and how it opens is telling us Kendall's the main character. I, I think, uh, I don't think that Shiv is going to become the CEO. I, I don't think we need to wait for predictions about that. I think that that's pretty clear. And it's going to be a battle between Kendall and himself, um, <laughs> which will be interesting at the end of this show. So I don't think we'll ever see. We'll probably see like pseudo assistance for Shiv next episode, well, this like is trying the, to posture herself, not just as yeah. a liberal, but now as like this corporate tycoon, which she is not. Which she's now, but now she is like accepted that role. Like, okay, well, I'll work with Mankin. Yeah. Um, like we talked about last episode, how far does Shiv's values quote um, mm-hmm. actually go? But I think here's the complicated part on rewatch. So I think you're right. It's Ken battling himself, but, and we, we learned that he's like full Logan throughout this episode, but he says something to Jess, like you were talking about, you're being dumb. Everyone's being dumb. Yeah. And he says, you have no idea how this will turn out. And it's very juvenile. And I was like, is Armstrong telling us right now that Kendall's being dumb and he's like projecting and he's saying yeah. like, you don't know how this is going to turn out. Kendall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, meaning that Kendall might not get the company. Well, that's something that we've talked about, right? Those were the two major predictions. If like they didn't end up killing Kendall in the show, that he would either lose the company and him and his siblings would be separated forever and hate one another, or Kendall will get the company and uh, kill his siblings metaphorically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so we'll, we'll those are the, for, those are the two major moves, predictions of I the show. I think you're right. Because but the poison drips the, through. At least that writing right there was telling yeah. because it would make sense then if it did go the other way. Um, but I think where, where you're right, this almost isn't a, it's obviously a tragic for the reasons that you were talking about, like with Kendall abusing his power mm-hmm. and knowing better, like we said, yeah. especially like last episode, especially after he talks to Rava, this is like immediately yes. after. Yeah. And, but later when Ken leaves the funeral, he says, thanks Jess and like takes his coat from her. Yeah. And that was like a twofold. You realize that Jess still has to work for him after this, like this ridiculous like interaction. And then also though, you realize that Jess is like the only person that Kendall has semi let in to mm-hmm. his life. Like he's put his walls down for her. Yeah. So I think it's like full, full turn after Jess. Interestingly. Also plot twist. Jess working for Matson. 
No. Just saying. I don't think so. Just going to throw it out there. I don't know. It would be crazy with all the things that Jess knows about Kendall. I'm just thinking about leverage and who has information. And I actually don't think, I think the point of Jess and Greg in last episode was to do the whole, what we talked about in last episode, the whole like young Republican versus young Democrat and like choices matter and vote matters. And like, I don't think they're going to go that way with Jess, but it is interesting how much leverage she has over Kendall. Yeah. Because of everything she knows. I thought it's true, but I think with the NDAs and all that stuff, like this is still a television show, like fucking NDAs, who cares? Don't come at me subreddits. Like I I understand, (laughs) but like it, it is possible. Like she knows a lot and it is interesting. She says like, I'm leaving like next week. Cause I think he says he wants to have that meeting about Rava and the attorneys the week after. So, right. Yeah. He soon. says he wants to have false custody of the kids. So but I, I do that think there. that I don't think that's going to happen just because I don't think Macon was the reason, but I think Macon was the last straw, right? Like she was like, yeah. you're going to push a button that's going to set off a nuclear attack. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if she'll be in the world. Hopefully she, you know, um, I can work under, although I, I imagine I think she's going to be good. She can probably work I don't anywhere know. now. Yeah. But working anywhere, like she wouldn't be able to get a job. Like, Actually, you know what? At, that's kind of like, I guess like, it's being assistant for Murdoch. Yeah. yeah. I guess so that's... she'd have to work for another terrible person. Yeah. I don't see things going great for anyone in the show. So my last cringe moment is anytime the kids talk to the old guard, so okay. like, Roman's trying to get Frank on his team yeah. and you see Roman, like basically just like a kid in a candy shop at, yes. at this funeral. He's like, who'd you hit? to Kendall and Kendall's like, what? Like Mm -hmm. this, this moment is like reserved for not like making political moves. And he's like, this is so weird. He seems to be the only one who's actually like taking this seriously. And, um, Roman to Frank, my favorite. Kendall's like like, post grieved. Yeah. yeah, He's good. He's good to go. And Roman to Frank says, I know we've had our battles and such. (laughs) I just love Roman and Frank's, uh, like relationship throughout this whole series. He says, but this really puts it in perspective. Don't it? Uh, sure. And then, you know, we have the Frank says, sure. Life is short. Like let's love one another sarcastically. And yeah, Roman does this like, you know, if Ken loses his stomach for the fight, like I hope he doesn't, but there's has to be like one cherry on the cake. And one head, one crown, baby. Yeah. yeah. And Frank <laughs> just goes, Oh, which I thought was interesting. Not only was that a cringy moment, but Roman thinks that he has Frank on rewatch. He looks at Frank after he talks to him and like puts his hand on him. And he gives him these eyes that suggest that he thinks he has Frank in his pocket, which shows us how delusional Roman is. And like, yeah, just the lovely chatting with you, serious eyes. And then he turns around Minkins there and he smiles. It's like, dude, Roman just like, doesn't, know when he's manipulated like his dad yeah. like he just like keeps like i guess trying to to impress his dad and like keeps having satellites blow up in his face yeah he's already spiraled out of control his character's dead this is just what who Ro- roman is now yeah. yeah and then frank for me this told me that like okay frankly actually believes in kendall or like just really doesn't believe in roman but because he didn't react the same way to ken saying one head one crown yeah, yeah. all right so then we have, well, I guess these are more funny moments, but I thought they were also cringy um, where Jerry asks like, how much of you is glad, you know, that Logan's dead yeah. uh, with the old guard and I think Carl that's funny. says I missed him. Yeah. Right. Um, and she says like Stockholm syndrome. But when Shiv finally asks Frank and Carl, like how bad was dad and they lie to her. I thought that was, I mean, it was tragic. It was also really cringy because they, well, I think it's showing how you're, we're talking about Kendall being delusional, Roman being delusional, also Shiv. Like yes, yeah. having this warped idea of who their father was. And I think specifically that moment for Shiv was she just went in front of a bunch of people and said it was very difficult for a woman to be around Logan. Mm-hmm. And then literally like 10 minutes after asking like the two right men next, right hand men next to 
Logan mm-hmm. asking, you know, was my dad a bad person? And they're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, <laughs> we have to lie right now. Yeah. No, he was a good egg. Yeah. Well, yeah. Frank's is, like he was a salty dog and you see Carl's face like yeah. surprised that he said that. And he's like, no, but he was a good egg. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like He goes, right. All right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's know? like when Shiv asked her dad, did you know about this cruise line stuff? And Logan's like, well, I didn't know it was those other guys. There were like other exactly. people who were involved in this. Yeah. It was like Logan was involved in this. Yeah. And-, and it's weird because we're standing next to this like tomb and like Frank and Carl have basically the secrets of, of Logan. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to tragic moments. So where do you want to start with this? Because I, like I said, I had Rava and Jess. I was going to, well, I had like you and towards the bottom of my cringy moment. So I was going to go straight into Roman. Okay. Let's do Roman. Okay. So Roman breaking down right after the UN speech, right? Like he hears all this stuff about his dad, Rose, Mm -hmm. um, his dad being like four years old and feeling like him, like maybe it was the first time he felt connected to his dad. Yeah. And also though, like I said, last, uh, podcast, I think that Roman like kind of stuck his head out behind the curtain Mm -hmm. to see like everyone at the show Mm -hmm. and just broke. Like he cracks under pressure. pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) at the very beginning, we learned that he's like excited for the funeral at the beginning of the episode, Mm -hmm. which is like weird, right? He sees the funeral as this opportunity to win and puts a lot of pressure on his speech. And I think like when he says to Ken, like, oh, sunglasses, smart. You can cry in secret, hide all your emotions. Yeah, and this eulogy is a competition Emerge victorious as the yeah. winner of the funeral. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. And right before, too, he goes up to speak. Uh, Frank goes like, you okay, son? Because yeah. Because Frank, I think, also probably senses, knows the children. And Roman's like, yeah, I pre-grieved. Also, not your son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we have him like break, right? He's like yeah. breaking down. Um, he says like, I can't do the speech Mm -hmm. and he asks the kids, which is so bleak, like is dad in there? Can we get him out? And I think the other kids are like genuinely broken by this. If you watch their faces, um, when you, when you watch this again, cause I was focused on Roman the first time, like they Mm -hmm. are just like broken by seeing Roman like crack like this. And also, like we said, he's like such a a little boy. Um, I mean, Roman's really reverted back to his childhood trauma that he exactly never was able to cope with or doesn't seem like he I mean it seems like he had a lot of therapists but it just didn't work and he has been trying to get kicked like a dog since Jerry that's what he's been trying to do when he went up to Connor in episode seven after talking with Jerry yeah and episode eight was him trying to elect you know a fascist or trying his best to um, because he was single-minded because he was trying to like find leverage in this new world where and he absolve is himself, a predator yeah. um, and absolve himself morally yeah so this was that was all kind of like I, th- I think a hint or foreshadowing this moment of him just blowing up and becoming overwhelmed. Um, and it's weird to say because of how like obviously hard we've been on Roman this whole season. But I this was the first time all season, maybe in succession, that I teared up as much as I I did watching Kieran Culkin's performance because yeah. the performance is seriously like it's really hard to beat Matthew McFadden on the show. And it's even harder to beat Jeremy Strong yeah. when it comes to acting. And Sarah Snook has had great moments too. But this Kieran Culkin performance in this episode, uh, it's one of the most memorable parts of Succession now. It's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to the, watch the someone least. like truly breaking down. You believe his performance so much, you're right. Like, in front of a thousand people. Yeah, yeah, and also like his dad is right in front of him. Like, I mean, just someone losing a parent like it is. Like, it's just like a human moment. But also... These- because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. It's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> because it gets shared across the world uh, in his most like 
I guess, authentic moment of actually having an emotional like moment. Yeah. And people are making fun of him. It comes back to bite him. Yeah. And yeah, I think which is what he's been doing like, his whole life to other people. If you watch this again too, like, cause I was noticing, noticing the cuts that Mark Mylod does as Roman's crying and mm-hmm. giving his speech, it cuts to Marsha's face looking at Caroline and Caroline's genuinely kind of like affected by it, but she, it it's seems like tough like, to watch. It for seems her. like, yeah, maybe it's more that, but it yeah. seems like Marsha is looking over at her. Like, these kids, like these kids that you like have, like what the heck? Cause yeah. I, and I love Marsha's judgment face, but then also we cut to, I Lucas. thought she was judging, uh, the mom for like Caroline. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. Okay. Like, I think that she was like judging Caroline just and Logan mm-hmm. for like creating these like wild yeah. children. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, then we cut to Lucas and Macon and I think they're like enjoying the kids weakness. I'll talk later about Absolutely. the cut to them during yeah. Ben's speech. <laughs> and then we have like the old guard and Carl puts his head in his hands yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, so have like secondhand embarrassment. Um, but yeah, but anyway, it was, it was though, like tragic, like you're saying. And later on, obviously we have him say like, or Roman say that his dad made him breathe funny. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's, line. I, I want to, um, go to one more tragic moment while we're at the funeral, like in the actual cathedral. Yeah. Sorry. Just one quick note about that before we get to the cathedral on the, uh, you know, Logan making Roman breathe funny. I've never heard a more clear and concise way of explaining what toxic leadership feels like, but anytime there's like an unhealthy power dynamic in a workplace on a sports team, when you're a kid, whatever it is, that is a, a really succinct way of explaining that emotion is you feel like you can't breathe when you're around that person yeah. who is like abusing their powers. So I thought that was incredible writing. Yeah. And then connected to that writing and especially with the siblings, I also have Shiv speech in this category, which when I was first doing my doc, the first time I watched it, I did not have Shiv speech in here, but watching it again, I was like, wow, this was like really tragic. She starts out with the idea of her, her dad being terrifying to them. Like that's her, opening anecdote. Oh, is that the office story? Yeah. When, yeah. And she does a great Logan Roy impression too, with the like silence, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and she says that we thought like what he was doing in his office was so important. Like we couldn't conceive of, of his power, like presidents, diplomats, Kings and Queens. And Kendall's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see him in the crowd shaking his head. Yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> and again, just this idea of the kids, like still propping him up at this point. And just like kind of how, you know, in real life, a lot of people like put a myth around their father. Like they don't know their father, to- father totally. So they like project what a lot he of- does behind closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> something super powerful. What is dad doing in something. the garage? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> they yeah. kind of start to come to terms like throughout the episode, right? With the reality that their dad leaves, which are more scars than this important image. And I think it really, the point it breaks for Shiv is when he's actually getting carried into the tomb. It's the final time they're kind of going to see him uh, besides visiting him where she says, I'm curious how uh, Logan's going to get out of this one. Yeah. Right. And they're kind of reckoning with the idea that he's just a man and a terrible man. right? Right. And he, she goes up to ask like Carl and Frank, but during her speech at the cathedral, he says, or she says that he kept us outside and he kept everyone outside. But when he let you in and the sun was shining on you, it was warm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that idea, it's like hearing someone explain an abusive yeah. husband or yeah. boyfriend or something. So it was so tragic. And it was the reason I put it back in here. And also like the great writing of he was hard on woman, like cut to Carolina and Jerry, and he couldn't fit a whole woman inside his head. I mean, yeah, this writing from, Jesse Armstrong and his writing team is just 
ridiculous. It's incredible, yeah. I mean, there are allusions to Shakespeare, obviously, and people can compare it to different texts all they want to, but I really want to like stamp this as the quintessential American text of the 21st century of late capitalism. Like, This is just such incredible writing, and what he's doing to deconstruct Logan is so powerful through these siblings and their eulogies. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I think we, we've talked about this a lot, but the performances are obviously amazing and Armstrong kind of he's a really like cool um guy and very humble so he easy to often, listen to yeah he often says like well my writing wouldn't be anything without the performances but like I think that we will remember the writing of the show I hope that's what we remember first the yeah. performances are off obviously awesome but yeah. yeah so let's go to the other woman in Logan's life uh we have Marsha Carrie, Sally Ann, and Caroline in the front row. Yes. Hugo's like, Carrie's in the front row. How'd she get there? PR disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So this scene's interesting because I put it in my tragic award because uh, it ends with Carrie and Marsha holding hands. And that shit got me. Like, yeah. Did you cry at that? Yeah. I I like really teared up. Yeah. Yeah, It was very Um, sad. There was something so weirdly powerful about that but it came right after immediately after Caroline was just like messing with Marsha by bringing Carrie as her new Sally Ann to kind of the front row. And so just the juxtaposition of this kind of toxic behavior that Logan really orchestrated from the beginning uh, between these four women is, is then followed up by like this really like emotionally weighty moment between Marsha and Carrie. So that just really got me. And I put it in my tragic moment for that reason. Yeah, I had the Caroline like actually getting Carrie, getting Sally and like um and and putting everyone in the front row in my funny moments just yeah. because this was like Caroline making sure that Logan looks bad, right? Mm-hmm. At his funeral, like having everyone know who he was, yeah. right? To to have everyone sit in their front row. And I I heard people like talking about how this is a kind thing that Caroline did, and I was like, "No, like this is definitely like Logan sucks." I'm going to let people know. Yeah. Um, and that's her whole like character. Arc. This is what Logan did to me. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right in that it's tragic. And not only these women have like a shared um, understanding of who Logan was. They're the only people who saw his insecurities or like, you know, he says, Marcia says that we won't hear him grinding his teeth tonight. And they all kind of like laugh. But then there's that, that heavier pit that is darker at the bottom that they all kind of, he was a terrible like person and whether yeah. Marsha loved him or not, like she kind of knew that. And, and mm-hmm. you're right in this idea that they have this like shared, like possibly like verbal abuse, right. Um, from him at and, the very least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so Marsha putting her hand on Carrie was, was really, um, heavy, but also like Carrie's crying performance was so good. Yeah. Like I really, uh, like, I'm glad I, they brought her back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cause it was confusing what happened with her and Marsha in episode four and then Roman helping Carrie just being subverted like that. Yeah. Going all the way here to episode nine where Roman is the sicko and Marsha is actually like trying to like unite these people who have been abused in one way or another by Logan is just really well done. Yeah. And then my, my second tragic moment was when Marsha went up to Shiv and says, I loved him very much. Ugh, and yeah. he broke my heart. And I'm, I think he broke yours too. Yeah. Oh, damn. Marsha. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably the last time. The last we'll see, we'll see Marsha. I think. Yeah. But she does have a board vote. It's like Ken could definitely to go off. to her. She might have two board votes. That's true. We don't know what, what she don't... got in that deal yeah. in uh, season, season three. Season one. I think no, was... season one was when they decided not to sign it and Logan went to the hospital. Okay. But season three, 
was when Logan needed um, okay, and she got more money, Marcia. and potentially more things added. Exactly, onto the, yeah. I remember she brought her lawyer, and yes. she said like, "Hey, You're right. I, we need to get this like rolling. I, I, I want a lot of things. I have requests mm-hmm. because Logan can't appear to have a bad divorce or have bad press on him." And she goes and she puts her hands on Logan's shoulders. It's like the best thing because Logan always puts his hand on people's shoulders. Yeah. It's great. So, I, I guess before we go into funniest moments in our chess moves. Kendall talking to Rava. Yeah, right? Rava. It's the big part of this. Uh, it's really like we've already seen Kendall turn into evil Sith Lord in this episode toward the end of last episode when he said, that's a guy we can do business with about Mankin. Yeah. But this is where we see Kendall trying to act like Logan in his personal life. Like it was just a, I think eight, seven or eight months ago that him and Rava were still like able to be on speaking terms. And it was just like f- four or five months ago that he asked Rava if he can come into her house and build like his whole nest that he was trying to build to take right, over yeah. Logan's team. And now it's like he can't even communicate with Rava in a healthy way. Like Rava is really nervous that the protest will affect the kids. So she's taking them upstate and skipping the funeral. And Ken tells her she's hysterical. She's too online. He looks like he's kind of close to physically harming her at one point. I think it was mm, the scariest. Looks, yeah. Really like out of control. Yeah. Him looming around her, almost like circling her, uh, Look like, oh, yeah. pressuring He's like I'm going to block car. your car. You're going to have to run over me. Right. Yeah. He goes full unhinged mode. Like he can't even process that he is in public even because he thinks no one can touch him at this point. And that's the, the saddest part of this scene is kind of like Kendall not realizing or being self-aware about the way he's acting. And then I think equally Rava kind of acting unsurprised. Yeah. Uh, like she's seen the worst of Kendall before. And this is something that she's used to seeing that we're seeing kind of for the first time. Because yes. we've never really seen Kendall well, this talk is, to her like this. This is kind of what I was talking about when we were talking about the balcony sh- uh, scene with Tom and Shiv. And I was like, I wonder what the basically divorce was like yeah. for Kendall and Rava. And we do get hints of it like throughout the series where Rava calls Ken and she's like, hey, I heard in the news mm-hmm. that you're using in season two. And he's like, I'm not. And she says she t- kind of doesn't believe him and she doesn't want him to be around the kids. And a lot of people I remember um, were reacting like, well, why doesn't she believe him? Like, yeah, he's healthy headlines. and sober now. But we know that he left like like Coke on the kids' iPads and stuff like that, yep. right? We, I wrote in my notes, Coke on iPads. Yeah, that was the and, first thing I wrote. <laughs> and so I think the idea of like not showing that until now was really, I, I think, behavior, purposeful yeah. Yeah, for Armstrong because we need to see that, um, like who were root, who maybe we're rooting for to take over and kill his dad, but really he's his dad too. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I think the, the poison Ugh. drips through, uh, thesis of the show and like seeing people as commodities isn't really clear here, mm-hmm. but I think we're seeing like maybe the beginning of the Logan arc with Kendall in that he is like saying that he wants to protect his kids but really that just means like he wins by taking custody from the, of, of them. Mm-hmm. And then also, and it's also what his dad did for the siblings. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. We learned from uh, getting custody from Caroline and then being like, That's young. Why she's so spiteful of yeah. like who they've become because she doesn't know them anymore because of what Logan did to separate Caroline. Them. Yeah. yeah. Caroline. But then we have this moment that's really like, it was really tragic where, Kendall says, you're trying to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And Rava has like a really empathetic, like, you know, she, I mean, she loved Kendall. Like they right. were, they had a marriage, they have children. Like, and she, you see her have like a very human moment of, of being like sad for Kendall. Like I'm, I'm not trying to hurt you. And yeah. like, I'm just like so sad about this whole situation. And Kendall is like in another world of just being like 
totally out of control. And obviously we're he's delusional. To he's a maniac. He's well, yeah, paranoid. we're supposed to understand that he has been like verbally abusive. Um, like before we've seen him because we really haven't seen him that much with Rava and the kids. We mm. are more so seeing him trying to prove that he's different to Rava by saying, by standing up for his kids in front of Logan. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like we're seeing yeah. him at the be- beginning of season one on this, like trying to correct his wrongs. Yeah. And now he's like just all in uh, on Logan arc. So in the past three episodes, we have joy head of media fired. We have Jerry basically fired and what's happened to her with Roman. And then we have Sid who's mm-hmm. fired and now we have Rava who might be taken from her kids. And then we have Jess who, who basically is trying to run away from the neo-Nazi empire that's starting. Um, and next episode we might have Shiv who is another woman. So it's just interesting that Logan dies in this season. The people take over who think they're going to be better and make this company better. And they end up making it more of a patriarchy than it was before, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which I guess is on par with everything that's happening with the cruise lines, everybody trying to cover it up at this company. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely a pattern that we see in this last season, especially as like the CE bros are trying to clear their path to power and show, you know, that they're not weak. Yeah. And who they choose to fire. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting to look back on. And then obviously the final tragic moment of this episode is Kendall telling Roman that he fucked it. And then Roman running into the protest, getting hit and walking off into the distance, the music blaring. And then you have the the show ending. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll talk more about that in our chess moves though. Yeah, definitely for Roman more so failed chess moves, but Mm -hmm. we'll get there. So let's go to funniest moments before our chess moves and number one boy ranking. I have uh, Roman getting ready for the speech as we open the whole episode, like dancing around his penthouse. And it's interesting they didn't use that as the intro to this episode and then play the theme yeah. Song. Wasn't that weird? We didn't yeah. get any intro. I don't think that's ever happened before. I like just jumping into this seventy-five minute movie of Succession. I'm into that. Yeah, it did feel like a movie kind of for mm-hmm. this episode. Maybe that was a, a piece of it, but I guess next episode. Is we'll the pull. actual movie? Yeah, yeah, it's not. Bring it to minutes, theaters, right? you cowards! We want to see it. <laughs> I in the yeah. cinema. Yeah. So okay, back to Roman uh, dancing. So Logan Roy <laughs> was a great man. He says in every sense of the word. Uh, born middle child, mm-hmm. was sent away during World War uh, Two. I think he says sad, sad, sad. <laughs> I just love him. He skips over the whole World War part. Yeah, exactly, which was like the saddest piece of Ewan's speech and what actually broke him yeah. uh, in the funeral. And then he, I love when he's looking in the mirror and saying, I'm the man, yeah. right? It's all about like the power that he's going to acquire from giving this speech and why he's so excited, he tells Kendall. And we see him doing that also at, at the funeral itself before it starts, like mm-hmm. wide-eyed, like a kid seeing all these presidents and people in, in the room. And he says like, as you can see, I'm loudly talking about my father and don't <laughs> I perhaps just remind you of him a little bit. Like it's this weird thing of like a little kid, like, playing around like like he could be his dad or be someone important it was just so weird But as a 40 year old man yeah yeah. and it was also kind of scary like (laughs) but i i love when he puts face lotion on i don't know just a like an a plus uh didn't even notice note yeah (laughs) i just loved it you never see the kids get ready and shiv also was getting ready this episode too but um he says like i selected the president right and i think that's really important when we're thinking about 
the shift at the end of this episode, if people didn't like already pick up on it, like I didn't totally last episode, you called it that Mankin was playing him. Yeah. I didn't totally know, but if you didn't, you'd get kind of suspicious when you say, when he says like I selected president. Right. Um, I love also when he's like the end of the first marriage, very sad, saddy, sad, sad. <laughs> and then he says, uh, see Shiv cry, see Kenny lie and see Roman, the showman light up the sky. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> I wonder second, what that's from. I feel like that's I must be from something. I don't know. I don't know. But my second question um, is like I was asking about Roman and Shiv's kind of like Jess person in their lives. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Roman have like Hugo or someone from PR to help him write the speech? Like I feel I like the, when he was going over his speech, it, um, it was not good. Yeah. Like he read a piece of it. I didn't write it down, but I feel, I feel like, like it's, it's not, not going to be it's great. It's not a corporate <laughs> speech though you know what i mean it's a funeral yeah, but people have yeah but i mean like like politicians for example and i'm assuming i know obviously like people like ceos he is a co-ceo how people write everything yeah for them yeah 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 but i feel like this is a very i think normally yes but this is a very intimate situation i'm i'm not too surprised that he wrote it i'm surprised okay i don't know um but roman says right that he is kind of excited and then when he actually messes up the speech um, he kind of kicks forward in the pew, like when Kendall's giving the speech up there, like a kid giving a tantrum, like he does yeah, that physical I saw that. motion. Yeah. And he kind of looks vulnerable, but then, and, and you're like, oh wow, Shiv's really like feeling for him. Like this is such a human moment. But then Shiv tells Hugo to go get water. Mm-hmm. And you're like reminded that these people have people working for them, like at their dad's funeral. And then he gets handed like uh, the fanciest water bottle I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also connected to the the speech is Connor. I want to talk about Connor. Oh, yes. Because I think he wins <laughs> funny moment for me. So I was convinced when Roman walked down from the podium and couldn't do his speech that Connor would take yeah, his shot. Yeah. But Shiv and asked Kendall, I think, which made a lot of sense. And I think we even predicted that last episode. But it's really very, very funny that Willa wrote up Connor's speech. Yeah. And it was terrible. <laughs> uh, I just love this theme of like Willa being a terrible writer. Yeah. <laughs> the sands. Could, oh my God. Could you imagine what this speech would be like? Like Connor saying, Logan was a man. <laughs> he was also a man who happened to be a father. Yeah. My father to be exact. Who is, who is now my dead father. <laughs> yeah. The Lester um, funeral speech is like yes. up there for Connor Roy moments. Connor, I don't even Connor think Roy Kendall Shiver Roman know about that. a very young age. <laughs> is that up. where we get that? <laughs> no. I, uh, yeah, that is. Yeah, that is. He's there. saying it yeah. to the person who's writing. The biography. Uh, exactly. Yeah. About Logan. But I think you're right. I don't know if the, the siblings, siblings know about Lester's Even speech. know. Yeah. But. Yeah. I love that Willa writes it because Shiv's like, well, I think this is going to open us to legal action, yeah. you know? And, and Willa's like, well, it's formally inventive. Like that's what we like about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. My um, uh, television brain though, was telling me that it would have been nice. Like if Connor got a chance, like just doing a nice eulogy cause his pop, you know, just loving his dad. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely think it would have been awful in this succession world. So yeah, it would have been so funny, but so cringy mm-hmm. because we've already talked about how, Connor has accepted that his dad doesn't like love him. That was his first reaction to hearing his dad died. So he's emotionally processed. He pre-grieved. Yeah. How his dad feels about him, but he has like empathy for Logan. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying like Connor's healthy by any means, but he, we do have that idea of like Connor saying like, I love you. Like 
super dad super or dad. whatever, like, you know, <laughs> where Kendall, <laughs> I think also kind of understands who his dad is and yeah. has come to terms with that more so than the other uh, three siblings. I guess the oldest from, siblings uh, from Caroline kind of get it the most. Yeah, yeah. Marriage. So, I, but I, but I feel like Ken uses it for leverage, which mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we'll talk more about. Okay. Totally. I have two more funny moments like in the cathedral. The first one is the whole wheelman debacle. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Like, so at the beginning of the episode, Tom and Greg are in the office and Greg's like, like, cause he wants to go to the funeral and like his dad won't let him, you know, like Tom. And he's like, I'd like to grieve, you know, to Tom, but really Greg just wants to go to their room of power. Yes. And Tom's like, yeah, I want to go too. Okay. I'm a wheel man yeah. front, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he's, and then he lets Greg go who like the biking to the funeral was so funny. I was trying to remember, did Greg take a bike to Logan's home in the first episode of the first season? Like, have huh. we seen Greg on a bike before? Because seeing Greg with a bike helmet on, I was just, he didn't or, have a helmet or not on. a helmet. I, I'm thinking I remember Greg with like a helmet seeing on. Greg on a bike before. Yeah. If anyone remembers when Greg hit was on up. a bike, us hit us know. up because it does seem familiar. Maybe okay. it's just him. He runs to a lot of places too. That's true. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I, I love that. And I also love when he gets there, he like shakes Roman's hand. He's like sad day, sad day, you yeah. know, like obviously he wants to go. So that way he can be in the room of power and it works out for Greg because he gets to replace Tom and take the front wheel. And I think when, um, Tom says like, save me a seat and let Matson know that I made the call. Mm-hmm. And um, Greg is like going to say, I think, right, that he made the call. That's his plan and meeting Macon. Yeah. And he kind of does later on when he meets him. But Greg on the phone with Tom is like my favorite. He's like uh, when Tom says I'm not coming, basically. I mean, he doesn't say that. He's just like, it's gridlocked. Everything's crazy over here. Online speaking. Greg's like, may I inquire about the front right? Yeah. That's it's awesome. (laughs) My other thing is just Caroline. Um, And is it Peter? Yeah, her husband, I right? think so. Yeah, who also wants the front right wheel <laughs> for the power with the senators, and I, just even when Caroline comes into the building, I was like, yes, like yeah. so excited. Powerhouse, yeah, yeah. I love when she comes into the room and Shiv says it's her big day. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And then we it's also great. obviously have like her talking to Shiv and noticing that she's pregnant, mm-hmm. and saying like, "Blimey, well, well." Which, by the way, I know that Sarah Snook is like showing that she's pregnant more mm-hmm. in this episode but the i the fact that caroline's the only one who noticed like yeah. i think that was like purposeful and maybe rewriting okay or you know what i mean no one else noticed like shiv had to tell yeah. everyone else um so it cuts deeper when caroline has that reaction that she does because like it's her mom so she like does know her most intimately like in a sense mm-hmm. um in shiv's mind and then when shiv says like well i have to be careful like who I tell because like meaning you, because you might use that information against me. And we're reminded, Oh yeah. Like Caroline just totally like screwed them over six months ago. I forgot it was Caroline on the phone on speaker. Wow. So it it cut even deeper, but uh, the funny moments were Peter, like Caroline saying Peter's so excited. He brought his autograph book. Yeah. And then also (laughs) this was the funniest part of the whole episode. I think this is my favorite part. Um, Peter hugs them all and says, daddy's here. <laughs> well, he doesn't hug them all. Kendall sticks his hand out uh, yeah, he doesn't very want to quickly. Yeah. That is something. There is a self-respect to Kendall where he's like, you're not fucking touching I me. I don't, don't know who me. you are. Yeah. And then uh, Shiv says, well, yeah, I mean, you're one of his favorites. Like he spoke of you often. Yeah. <laughs> Which Roman loves 
that joke. And then obviously like Caroline saying he's going to go roll around in a pile of senators like a Labrador. It's just A plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, before we move out of the cathedral um, and go to the cemetery, because there's a lot of funny things that happen there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are obviously a lot of images of religious figures and Jesus throughout this episode. And even though we're not religious, I still think it's funny that somebody like Logan is seeking for like forgiveness after his death because yeah. he is so scared of the potential uh, afterlife of burning in hell for eternity or something for everything he's done. Even though we know from his conversation with Colin, he doesn't seem to believe anything yeah. Yeah, uh, about religion. But it is just, I just find it so interesting that Jesse Armstrong brought that back, that Logan is telling his best friend that he's not religious, Colin, but then yeah. ends his life is ended and he's buried in a, in a, in a very religious fashion. Um, so I thought that was fascinating. But going to the cemetery now, mm -hmm. specifically the massive <laughs> cemetery single family home that yeah, was built for Logan. The giant tomb. <laughs> I realized when watching this, because I've never been to a funeral or a cemetery, but having like this massive public cemetery monument is probably the most extreme example of wealth. I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, like building was, yourself a house for your dead body. <laughs> wild. It was like, even in death, right? He doesn't want to be, he, he is still warm. Like he yeah. doesn't want to be with the people in the That's cold. Funny. You know, um, there's well, still I mean, he did, he did get a good deal from the pet.com guy. <laughs> yeah. It was only five mil tax write off. Yeah. I love how he's like, cons like five mil, but that's like all in. That's like forever. Yeah. Obviously. Forever. <laughs> Ken says good deal. You know, like looking at the tomb that yeah. he bought from the pet supply guy. But when they're inside, I love Connor talking about like the top bunk mm -hmm. and them deciding if they would, they would be in this house with Logan forever. Do you think that is what he built it for was for his children? My first thought were, were the woman that he's been with in his life. Oh, interesting. Like the, I don't know. I would assume his children. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I think when, so when people buy like plots, sometimes they'll, they'll buy like uh, different layers of the ground. Okay. Um, so that way people can be buried together as a family or like in a tomb, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they're, I didn't even see the layers until they pointed them out. But I, would yeah, have I loved, think it is for his family. I would have loved if there were only three coffins and it was just like, there wasn't a fourth there and, wasn't. Like, <laughs> and like Connor just didn't say anything. Wait, were there four? Maybe I miscounted. I didn't count, okay. uh, but I just figured there were four. If there were three, know. someone let us yeah. know because that would be really, that's funny. wild. Yeah. But I, I do love this idea of like them thinking like, wait, I, even if they, I, mean, I don't, I assume that they are not religious either. So they probably have the same views as Logan, sure. but yeah, I, I, their idea of just their bodies being in the same space as Logan forever seems like haunting them forever. A yeah. A horrible like thought. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and I, and I think like Connor saying like he'd take the top bunk was mm -hmm. hilarious. Cause he, does he does want to know his dad yeah. um even though he's crazy for cryogenics as we learned in the first season too which was oh, a great yeah. callback in the, in the hospital yeah. but everyone else is like no thanks yeah we're good you know? All right. Any other funny moves before we get to the chess moves? No, just of you know saying that they could write it off as a residence. So yeah, it was great. That's fantastic. Okay, let's go to chess moves. Yeah, let's go from least effective to most effective like usual. 
Who do we want to start with here? Well, I have Roman as my biggest fail chess move, but okay, I deleted him. It was so bad. Like, okay, I, I wrote him in here in my notes, and, and then I like, didn't even like, have a move. You're yeah, not in this I just one, have bro. a fail chess move because he didn't understand he was being manipulated. Obviously, like he can't read a room. We yeah. see at the beginning of the funeral when he thinks he might have Frank in his pocket, or he thinks he's like working the room at his dad's funeral. Which I'll, I think I'll talk about him more so in my Kendall chess move. Okay. Yes, I think he'll be in my predictions a little bit too. Um, okay, who's next? So I have Tom, Greg, Kendall, Shiv Matson in that order. Oh, in that order. Yeah, so starting with Tom, he doesn't go to the funeral and he handles things at ATN. And I have a question. Yeah. Do we think Tom was doing anything behind the scenes in this episode? Uh. Because he spent all of season three using uh, the get me out of jail card to Shiv to test her allegiance to him. Um, and he, she did not really seem to care too much. She mm-hmm. did care, but not too much as, as much as he wanted her to. <laughs> and how as much as he was scared of jail wine, it seems like that was going to be a reality for him. So he kept taking phone calls, checking out the menus behind the scenes. And we we're like, is Tom talking to the justice department? Like what's going yeah, on? I remember we thought he had like a wire on him. Right. Yeah. And so he ended up actually creating a relationship with Logan Mm-hmm. and Tom has been really sleepy lately, and he's been behind the scenes. So I just want to say it's the least effective chess move because we don't even see Tommy Boy in this episode really until the beginning and the end. Um, but, you know, not to step on my Shiv Matson theories for later, I don't think Shivy will get nominated CEO as the American CEO if Matson even takes over. But if Matson does take over, it seems like it would be possibly Greg or Tom. Oh, I don't know. Okay, so I was... Which we can get to later. When I but first I just wanna, watched this, so just for Tom... I was like, okay, is tired a tactic here for Tom when he starts crying like yeah. with Shiv at the reception? Like he wants to go home. And then I was, the second time I watched it, it seemed like he actually was tired. And I was like, what? this show makes me think that everything is like a transaction. Everything's yeah. a strategy and a move. And um, I do believe he's tired, you know, but I, I'm just curious about why he wants to not go to, to the funeral. The funeral. Right? Because it, it seems is weird. so unlike Tom. Yeah. yeah. And the, the weird thing is, is that Tom genuinely seems like he is emotional and like he hasn't, he really has not had sleep. And he, it seemed on the first time I watched this, he could not emotionally handle being at Logan's funeral. Like he mm-hmm. starts crying and he says, just so you know, like I did say goodbye to your dad on the plane. Yes. And like your dad was really important to me. Yeah. Um, uh, and he does say sorry to Shiv. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Shiv is actually like really impacted by that. She gets emotional when Tom gets emotional and I, and tells him to go back to the apartment. Like there seems to be not the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some sort of like, they're making up. Um, even don't though, believe it a second. <laughs> even though they're don't toxic. believe it for a but, second. But also like they, they are having a child together maybe. So I, I've I been do got believe too much that in this show, but here's the part where I was like, is Tom plotting when he first comes into the reception Shiv says like, oh, you know, you would never have dared to not come to his funeral when he's alive. And mm-hmm. he says, you know, well, the thing about that is your dad's lost a lot of power in the past few days. Yeah. I was like, damn, Tom. Yeah, okay, right. like, is, is Tom tired? Is Tom so like behind I think the this, scenes right now? I think we got to talk about Matson a little bit then, because considering we know Matson wants a man in power that he can control. We're assuming. Yeah. We're assuming, you know, from what we saw with Ebba. The only time we see Matson and Tom talk was at the election party, I think. The tailgate. The, the tailgate? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think they might have they might have spoken a little bit in Norway, but at the tailgate, they talk for sure. Well, at the at Norway, he totally embarrasses himself, That's right? right? He like goes yeah. in front of him. He, he's like, hey, we, talk, we talked before and like made fun of someone who was wearing cargo shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and Matson's like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, he, is he also <laughs> related to the family? But the second time is when is at the tailgate party. Okay. When he's like... 
well, which one do you like hands on or hands off? I'll be whatever you want me to be Matson. Yes. And he loves, I think he loves the idea of having someone subservient in a role like as a vessel for Matson for himself. Okay. In this American CEO position. So I think that is what Logan liked about Tom the most was mm-hmm. that Tom would be almost like a vessel for him behind closed doors where Logan Yeah, what wasn't. does he say? I'm a servant at the beginning of yeah. the, the season here to all the siblings. Yeah. Well, in season one, I think when he gives him the watch, I think he says something like that too. Like when Tom gives Logan the watch. I'm here to serve. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think Tom might be doing some secret chess moves and it's something to look out for. So I put him as the least effective chess moves because I don't think they're visible yet. Um, but we'll see next. But episode. also, I can't imagine that Jesse Armstrong is going to do the same exact plot from last season. Where do you think Tom, that's the same exact plot, though? Because I, I think do, it's a through yeah. line of Tom sneaking in from Minnesota into this big corporate family. Like, I think that's the idea is that he is shiving Shiv. Yeah, I think that's possible that it could happen again. Like he could betray the siblings and the, the Roy family who has never kept him safe. Mm-hmm. Like he tells Greg, like I've always kept you safe. Right. And I don't know about their bond. I'm about to talk about that <laughs> in a second, but I think with Tom and, and the Roy children, like, yes, he could backstab Shiv again. That's possible. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be like the major twist, if that makes sense yeah. again, because it would feel just like the last season where Tom helps Logan, um, kind okay. of kill the kids. Okay. Interesting. I, I guess I would be totally fine with it. I, I don't actually know what ending would be better and we can get more to it into it in prediction. So I'll wait to talk about. Yeah. It comes up with my bigger chess moves, I think. Yeah. All right. Okay, so should Greg we talk about next? Greg? Yeah. Yeah. So hey, I, sexy. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, Oh, um, um, that's very kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in that same, I guess, Tom logic, I think starting with Greg makes sense here as the next chess winner. I think the image of Greg riding a bike rental to Logan's funeral so he can make connections with the president elect mm-hmm. is something to really remember about the arc of this character, this disgusting brother that he'll basically do anything to move up the social ladder. Yeah. And I think, you know, Tom telling us last episode, the audience that Greg is basically a data center and has been collecting information and he needs to wait when he wants to destroy people with it. I, I think it's possible that Greg trying to make connections with Roman Mankin Ewan in this episode and, and and obviously has been making connections with Matson that this guy could be like completely set no matter who wins. Yeah. That, I don't know what set means for Greg. I don't know if it means co-CEO, assistant to the CEO, assistant to the assistant CEO. Or just Gregging for someone else. But yeah. I think you're right there. Um, Something I do want to talk about is Greg and Tom's relationship though, because it's okay. kind of confusing to me this uh this season mm-hmm. especially since we've get, been getting more disgusting brothers and i think again just like looking back at the season as we're almost done now armstrong obviously is showing the consequences of greg like mm-hmm. he's no longer this like funny character who's like sort of in the family like one foot in one foot out like he is a part of the roy legacy he has power now and it's kind of scary yeah, you see Greg talking to Tom as more of an equal now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he got so upset when Tom said, you need a Greg for me so I can like feel comfortable in the no. most stressful night, uh. of my, <laughs> night of my life. Yeah, I love when he like does the little kid like, oh, no. Uh, oh. But <laughs> but the, I think the most interesting piece there in him talking to him as an equal is he asks Tom like, hey, I need to brainstorm with you um, yeah. during last episode. Can we talk about the me of it all? Because... Matson treated me abominably, but mm-hmm. he was trusting. He was saying things and Tom immediately shuts him down and says like, go get me microwaved, like milk and ginger shots. Right. Yeah. So, 
So we see this kind of disconnect between Greg and Tom this season. And Greg is making more active moves than Tom. And Tom just feels like he's tired. He's out in the cold. He is actually like dealing with the heartbreak of Shiv of like being in and out of this relationship of yeah. emotionally, like truly processing it. Uh, and so, and also his protector died. So he's kind of like in a tailspin. So and I the think, person he pushed his wife down the stairs for to keep alive, yeah. Greg, might be the person who ends up screwing him over. Yes. Okay. So this is finale. this is where I I don't know where it's going. Either um, we see a a Greg and Tom like breakup scene mm-hmm. where Greg throws Tom overboard. Yeah. And he kind of goes down with the ship with the Roy siblings. Yeah. Um, because he is like maybe siding with Shiv or just kind of distracted and all over the place with no sleep, or we see Greg take Tom under his wing. Like Tom Not, did for no him. Way. Yeah. I you can't don't think it. so? I can't see that. That would be nuts. I mean, but um, the only thing that makes me think that is when he was in the newsroom, he said, Hey, do you want to like work together to, um, to take out this information? I just learned about Shiv yeah. from Matson. Like he does try to confide in Tom. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like there will be one last offer. Okay. At least. And I can't go any further right now. I'll have to talk about this more in predictions. Okay. Yeah. We have to have a, an end to their love story. That's all I'm saying. Something we haven't even mentioned is this is the second to last episode of our favorite show of all time. Yeah. And the only reason I'm saying it like that is because I am, there are so many threads going through my mind right now of the way that this show can end and Greg coming out on top and, and hiring Tom to be like right underneath him is like not even a thread I thought about. So like, <laughs> I just don't, I didn't think about that. So my first, my first thought was to deflect that, that possibility. But now I'm like adding it to the 15 other possibilities. Well, I don't know about so. like working underneath him. Like yeah. I don't think that's Greg's intention, but I do think that he would offer him to like come, come along on his side. Okay. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So who, who should we go to next? I have like Matt's and Shiv Minkin in a bundle and then okay. I have Kendall also. Smart. Yeah. Okay. So I think Kendall didn't have the best chess moves. I think Matt's and Minkin and Shiv did together, even though I think, in the long run, Kendall will be above Matson by the end of this show. Mm-hmm. That's like a prediction. I'm going to step on him, I guess. But I think in terms of chess moves in this episode, Kendall had the second best. So let's start with him. Yeah, I guess in terms of what we know, like the information that we are given this episode, Kendall technically doesn't have the upper hand or the better chess move. But right. in my mind of what's to come and what like Jesse Armstrong has done in the past, it feels like Kendall at least has like an equal chess move, if not maybe more as he's rounding up his team. So yeah, that, that I, maybe, is why maybe he's we'll this talk high. more about it in the number one ranking, but let's just talk about Kendall's chess moves first, because you're right. What we do know is that Matson and was offered something from Macon. Okay. Yeah. So let's go to Ken possibly. So I, Possibly. So I have, <laughs> I have two pieces for Ken first, the speech mm-hmm. and then the moves that he makes afterwards. Yeah. So the speech, let's go ahead and play a little bit of it because it's so good. Yeah. My father was, uh, a brute. He was, he was tough, but also he built and he acted And there are many people out there who will always tell you no. And there are a thousand reasons there. I mean, there always are a thousand reasons not to, to not act. But he was never one of those. He had a, a, you know, he had a vitality, a force, 
that could hurt. And it did. But my God, the sheer, the, the, I mean, look at it, the lives and the livings and the things that he made. And the money. <laughs> yeah, the money. The lifeblood, the oxygen of this, this, this wonderful civilization that we have built from the mud. The money, the corpuscules of life gushing around this nation, this world, filling men and women all around with, with desire, quickening the ambition to own and make and trade and profit and build and improve. I mean, great geysers of life he willed, of buildings he made stand, of ships, steel hulls, amusements, newspapers, shows and films and life bloody, complicated life. He made life happen. He made me and my three siblings. Sorry. And, uh, and yes, he had a terrible force to him and a fierce ambition that could push you to the side. But, but it was only that, that human thing, the will to be and to be seen and to do. And now people might want to tend and prune the memory of him, to denigrate that force, that magnificent, awful force of him. But my God, I hope it's in me. Because if we can't match his vim, then God knows the future will be sluggish and gray. Now there wasn't a room from the grandest state room where his advice was sought to the lowest house where his news played, where he couldn't walk and wasn't comfortable. He was comfortable with this world and he knew it. He knew it, and he liked it. And I say amen to that. So this is after Ewan gives his speech, right? And mm -hmm. totally just like obliterates Logan's image in front of the world. Yeah. Kendall's like, give me the pen. I got this. Yeah, yeah. And I love when he starts writing stuff down, puts down the pen. It's like, okay, Kendall, <laughs> let's go. Like, but obviously, you know that he he's is going to say terrible totally things. Totally flipping yeah. it. Like, yeah. and, and this is what we were talking about earlier, the idea that he's come to terms with who his dad is and now he's going to use it as leverage for himself, like yeah. as his own uh, planet that he's trying to become. I wish he was that self-aware, but that is what I, how I read it as well. <laughs> I think that he's I think that he is self-aware in the idea of that he's making those choices. Like, I think, you're, I think he's lying to himself. Like we talked about with Logan earlier, Yeah. like the narrative that he's creating, he's protecting his children. But I think in terms of like really 
using his dad's legacy as a no, you're right. Still understanding he's a terrible person. I think that's the only place where maybe he is a little bit self-aware because he knows that um, he he knows that he's like he is speaking to a specific audience and like he sets it up rhetorically where he's like, listen, yeah, I'll concede like to, uh, to you that mm-hmm. my dad was like this terrible person. Mm-hmm. And then he just like says this like unifying statement of like a sentiment about like taking action, how his dad <laughs> like built things and acted. And there are a thousand reasons not to act, but my dad acted. And I was yeah. like, okay. Like he was just, you know what I mean? Like putting a very non-specific, like, um, general statement exactly, about his father. Yeah, to open it up. Most like, people don't act. My father yeah, acted. Exactly. Right. Yeah. He's just like manipulating, uh, people like Logan would. And, uh-huh. and normally we see Kendall be kind of like foolish. And there were moments where that obviously felt very like silly. Like he says the lives, the livings, mm-hmm. you know, that he made and like the sheer force. So he's being hyperbolic and like, like very poetic, but to a point where it feels like silly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is the the time where I, we see Ken give a speech where we're like, Oh wow. He, like he actually does have something where people are listening to him. Yeah. Right. He has and, some populism in him. Like he, he understands how to appeal to different audiences. Like, like he said about his father, I think Kendall has an ability to walk into rooms and at least feel like he belongs, even if he knows other people don't think he might belong. And so when he's standing up there and giving this speech, I definitely think he feels like he belongs in that room. Yeah. He's confident in that yeah, at the very right? least. He says like, I hope whatever my dad has, it's in me. But yeah. I think oh, the, the <laughs> most important part of this speech is where he talks about like, and the money. Like, and everyone kind of laughs and he says okay. that money is the blood, the lifeblood and the oxygen of this wonderful civilization that we've built from the mud. Mm-hmm. And Mark Mylod cuts to all the white people in the crowd who obviously did not build a civilization from the mud and all probably have like trust funds and are, you know, yeah. <laughs> on, you know, in a cycle of generational wealth. Yeah. And I think something else interesting happens here when we cut to the crowd where it's like Matson and Macon laughing at Kendall. Yeah. And I interpreted that as them laughing at him. Like they thought he was being silly. Oh, um, not. But a lot of other people who I saw like uh read this these cuts to Mankin and Matson laughing while Kendall's giving the speech is them agreeing with him. I honestly I don't know I don't know how to feel about that shot. I just them smiling at I him thought and- because okay, so Matson like um sh- like doesn't shake his hand. He puts his hand on Kendall's back as he's leaving. Yeah, I and saw I was that. like Oh my God. Like what? Just like so disrespectful. Very subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Like jab of like, you can really only understand that scene. If you saw earlier when Kendall was coming down, Matson is staring him down with a cold face. Yeah. But when he puts the hand on his shoulder, Matson then has like a more kind of caring face. And so I think you can only really understand what that hand on the shoulder means. If you saw that first shot. Yeah. So it's like Matson being like, I'm, I'm going to still eat your lunch. So just to be clear, the first time we watched this, uh, speech and the camera cut to Matson and Minkin smiling and laughing during Kendall's speech about Logan building civilization from the mud. I thought they were laughing at him, but in rewatching that specific moment, cause I didn't rewatch this episode a second time. I don't know how to feel about it. And I've listened to other people's perspective on it and I, I can't really tell. People- Cause Minkin does say like that was perfect. Yeah, but, but I feel I, like that was manipulative. I, I yeah. also thought that too. Like I actually didn't think that he thought it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought that Macon was like 
kind of memeing him. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, or telling Megan him. feels like he is like made from the internet or something. Like, he chameleon is, vibes, soci yeah. sociopath vibes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I also didn't believe that too. Uh -huh. I, I don't. I don't know that Mankin or Matson are threatened by Kendall. No. Um, and I think other people were reading that, that they like agreed with him and it was like the, so I, I don't know. I just read it as yeah. them laughing at him. So the last part of the speech though, is when Ken fully goes like evil, evil. We know is <laughs> like, my God, I hope yeah. that magnificent awful force is in me. Mm -hmm. And he just said in the, like previously that like, Logan had this force and it hurt, right? So again, Ken's just like doubling down on this idea that he wants to have the force because it brings him power. He doesn't care who he hurts in his path moving forward. But I think the the second most kind of like chilling thing, or maybe the most chilling thing is that Kendall says in a positive way that his dad was comfortable anywhere, That's right? It. Like he That's was comfortable one. with this world. And that brought me back to the Xerox box uh, speech that he gave at the beginning mm -hmm. of this, this season in ATN where he's kind of talking about how it's a strength of his, that he like sees the world the way it is where, uh, and, and people can't believe what they've said. And mm -hmm. like, he's just talking about preying on people's prejudice and yeah. like, so, so it's so They're making like, money off of it. Yeah. yeah. And he just manipulates this idea that he's somehow saying like the truth and the truth is just like the most like evil, like part of our, our culture that he's recycling back to people yeah. in this echo chamber. So I think that Ken like then doubling down on this idea. And again, like he might not totally mean these things. He might be using his dad's image in, for his own benefit, but to yeah. prove himself right at this, this in front of all the most powerful, important, powerful people. Yeah. It doesn't even matter if he means it or not. Yeah. But he said it. Yeah. So. But it's like so gross, right? Well, like that just Logan's comfortable everywhere. Cause it's, it is true. Well, just to finish that line, he was comfortable with this world and he knew it and he liked it. And I say, amen to that. Yeah. That is probably the literal worst thing you can say about another human being that they were comfortable with the world they live in and they liked it. It's almost biblical in the way Kendall explains Logan's rationalizations with his impact on the world. It is such a fascinating goodbye to someone's father. Yeah. Specifically. Um, so I do think that speech won Ken some chess points. I don't know where, I don't know if it's just for the <laughs> audience, yeah. uh, but it does feel like he deserved to like be at least in the second. Well, I think it was chess. more so like that. He proved to the most powerful people apparently in the world who are in that room yeah. that he is not like his other siblings. He's a killer, yeah. right? Just yeah, like KLR. his dad. And so I think that was like more so the point, um, to show that he is not weak, but I, I love, we were talking about earlier, there's all these religious figures. And then Ken says like, this is tied. My dad's like legacy and my dad's like myth is tied to our country's like religion of capitalism, right? Yeah. Like that was like sort of the uh, Armstrong, like mm -hmm. tying a bow on mm -hmm. it, which I thought was great, but people clapped at Kendall's speech and, yeah. and like you look around and everyone's like going wild. And then Ewan just looks down, they cut to him and he's like, Oh my God, dude, like this world. And yeah, he was I think rich. Ewan like, looked, you know, when like, Ewan looked at Kendall, that was kind of cutting too, because if you remember season one, episode one maybe or at least season one like oh right yeah, before when in the kendall elevator, does right? the vote or shareholder mm -hmm. vote uh kendall's trying to get you in to vote against logan to mm -hmm. get him off uh as ceo and you can tell the way that kendall and you talk and kendall being like you know i've always liked you and you could tell you doesn't dislike kendall as much as he does some of the other family members with logan 
And so I think there's some history there between Kendall and Logan where we thought maybe Kendall would be, or sorry, Kendall and Ewan. I thought where we think maybe Kendall would become a character like Ewan in season one. Yeah. Where we thought maybe he'd fall out of the company eventually. Then Kendall would just like turn into Ewan and maybe Roman or Shiv would take over the company. But seeing the way that Ewan looks at Kendall across the hall at the the church, it was pretty intense. Like he looked at him like he was Neo Logan, like this like young Logan figure. Well, I think he recognized that too. I've, I've never really thought about their relationship. Um, you're right in that. Like, I think being the firstborn, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> air quotes, cause Connor actually the first, sorry, born. Conheads. <laughs> sorry, Connor. Um, but Kendall being like the first born for Logan, uh, to, mm-hmm. to have a relationship, maybe you Lo- and Logan had a relationship at that point when Kendall was young and him having like, had actually conversations with Kendall, like yeah. being the oldest and being more invested in his life than the younger siblings who maybe like couldn't talk to you in at that time. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting to me. And like maybe having hope for Kendall versus the other siblings. But I think that in that exact like scene that we're talking about at Thanksgiving, Ewan um, immediately goes back upstairs after Kendall says, I'm going to do a vote of no confidence. Like, yeah. And my dad, like we should vote out my dad. Ewan goes up and says, Greg, get out of this family. It's like a nest of vipers. Yeah, and everyone's like corrupt. Like this family is, is messed up. And I think like he loses his hope in Kendall there for sure. Um, I yeah. think it's more so you and looking at Kendall knowing that about him already, but understanding like that the world also like knows that, um, but is comfortable with that yeah. or like is praising that. Yeah. Cause it brings them more power and money yeah. basically. It's tough in terms of later chess moves yeah. uh, as people are leaving the church. Hugo says that Ebba told him Shiv is trying to find a U.S. CEO to placate Mankin, which might mean that Kendall got Ebba on his side when they shared a cigarette. Very subtle. He said interesting conversation. Ebba. Yeah. Ebba. Just Ebba. Just said her name. Dropped. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Big H. Um, So that's pretty huge. If Ebba is on Team Kendall, like with all the blood stuff that we know about and the harassment on, uh, on the Matson side of things, Kendall can use that in the vote in the shareholder vote. Yeah. Well, takeover. I think so Kendall rounding up like Colin and Hugo and he already has Frank. Yeah. And I mean, who knows who's next, right? Like Carl follows the money, even mm-hmm. if he doesn't like the siblings and Jerry, I still don't know about. Well, let's, let's stick with Hugo for a second. Cause that was kind of a big deal right at the cemetery. Yeah. Okay. You're right. The minute that Logan is like in the ground or like in the tomb <laughs> above ground, above all yeah. the, he would the never go normal the people. Yeah. People. yeah. <laughs> um, he goes over, he's like big H, you know, <laughs> put out, uh, some news that the family's souring on the deal. Mm-hmm. And while Shiv and Roman are like emotionally dealing with their father being finally like carried off this finality of his death, Ken is like, he is risen and I am him. Okay. Like people are saying that like people who say they love you also fuck you. Yeah. And Shiv making that deal with Mankin and Matson for the U S CEO. Like we just learned at the church right before this, Kendall feels betrayed so he's acting on it, but he also feels like foolish for trusting Roman mm-hmm. and knows that like Roman's a liability. So he literally has to go one head, one crown. Yeah, totally. I think when he says to Hugo, life isn't nice, it's contingent. We're getting the new Kendall philosophy Yeah, and him saying, you know, this plan of mine is to rule the world. You can come, but it won't be a collaboration. You're going to be my dog, Yeah, but the scraps are millions. Yeah. 
Woof woof. Woof woof. Yeah, is what Hugo says. Yeah. Um, and then we get so that Hugo, Kendall. Hugo is so cringy. Like, <laughs> yeah, he just, it's <laughs> a great performance. Yeah. Uh, Kendall's Sith Lord theme song, by the way, starts going on in the oh background. Oh my God. It's in my extra credits. Just the, the uh, way that Nicholas Bertel was able to like, have a villain mm-hmm. theme within Ken's like succession His arc. Yeah. But just within the succession music itself was like really great. Uh, can we like play the music? Yeah, let's do it over this. Yeah. Okay, cool. It, I, it was great. I was like, Whoa, like evil Ken, even though we've known he's been going evil Ken, he's a full turn here. Before we move on from this, I was going to ask you as the Sith Lord Kendall theme song is going in the background and the limos are leaving the cemetery and, Kendall looks on at Logan's gravesite. Mm-hmm. It looks almost like he's, it's not exactly a smirk, but there's almost like a satisfaction in Kendall's face. Huh. I, I, I read it notice. as maybe I was like kind of just psychologizing Kendall, but it looked like he was looking at his father being like, yeah, this is my company now, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Like maybe he's like proving that he's a killer to his dad. Uh, I didn't like pick that up. I always think of the line that only happened six months ago when Ken had just like confessed to his siblings that he was a part of killing someone or whatever. And they're on the way to like kill their dad in their minds. And Kendall's like, pass me the shotgun. I always (laughs) think of that line because Kendall must still have that same vibe going. I mean, this all started when they were doing the 100 and Pierce. And as soon as they hear about Pierce, Kendall's like, I mean, we got to do this. Wouldn't it be great Rome to like take out dad like this? And I just feel like there's something in Kendall that really wants to, I mean, screw over his dad. And this does feel like that final look, the final time he'll like look at his father. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I just wanted to note that because it was a really scary look, especially with the music in the background. Oh, some evil no, shit. yeah. I, I remember him looking. I just didn't like think about him looking at his dad. I like that take though. Yeah. And then Ken rounds up Colin next. Great scene. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, he's like, you talk to me. You mm-hmm. talked to me. It was like very Godfather. Mm-hmm. And, and then when he, the, my favorite thing though, is not that Colin's like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll come over to your side. It's when he turns away and he has like these killer eyes. Yeah. So is Kendall's team at this point, Colin, Frank, Hugo, and possibly Ebba? Yes. No Jess. No Jess. So just yeah. those people? Yeah. And we assume that, and I'll get into predictions that he'll probably bring on more evil Avengers. Yeah. I mean, I think Carolina Probably Carolina, Jerry, um, Jerry, probably, possibly. maybe, uh, but cause I think he's going to toss Roman to the side, which is like my next conversation Okay, is Ken and, and Macon's talk, right? Which then yes. leads to Roman and Kendall's talk. Tough. So like Kendall at the very beginning of this episode starts understanding even more so that Roman's a liability and mm-hmm. he can't really control him. Like at the funeral, Roman, when he sees him says like, who'd you hit? And Ken's like, what? Like who we're like supposed to be grieving our father or, you know? Yeah. And he's like, this is so weird. Kendall's like kind of just in that moment. And Roman again is like bouncing off to all these different people playing like King. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like excited that his dad is dead and he's filling his shoes. But then when Ken goes to like talk to Minkin, it just really sinks in that he trusted his brother and he really shouldn't have. Uh, Like he says later, he blames himself because he goes to talk to Mankin and he's like, Hey, um, when are you going to tell everyone about the regulatory stuff? So that way uh, the Gojo deal is done. And Mankin says, Oh, I thought you were the sound system. Now you want to play a track. And yeah. well, I've said, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to help. And that's where Ken goes, try mm-hmm. to help. Uh, and then obviously like we have him cringily insulting Roman, which is like, 
you know, what Roman does to people, but mm-hmm. seeing Macon do it to Roman and on like the day his father is being, again, I want to keep saying put into the ground, but put into the dot com pet tomb. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like, and Ken having to stick up for him, he's really realizing like, oh, I totally miss. I did a a bad thing by trusting Roman. Yeah, it was a miscalculation. I um I thought this was an interesting final chess move from Kendall by kind of shitting on Roman here because it's hilarious that Kendall thinks he can do that considering he basically sat last episode out of making decisions out of like moral preservation, like he didn't want to make any decisions until he was you know. Are you what, talking about his conversation? Until he was with screwed Roman? over with Shiv. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just saying it's funny that Kendall thinks Roman messed up here when it's both Kendall and Roman yeah, completely. And it's also interesting because all Kendall had to do was listen to Mankin's speech. He literally tells the world that he doesn't believe in transactional relationships. And so the idea that somehow Mankin was going to help this media company uh, and Kendall and Roman made no sense. So Kendall blaming Roman is just like another addition to like why Kendall might force Roman out of this family unit for, for running the company, but also another reason why Kendall is such like an unserious person too. Well, yeah. I mean, I do think though, first, like it, it would make sense to me that a presidential candidate would like cut a deal with ATN. Um, yeah. I saw a lot of people say coverage. that online too. Like that made sense to me. Like when you said that last time that Mankin was using them, I didn't see it. And then when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense when he's talking to Roman, he's mm-hmm. like hand on shoulder, like you're, I want this to be categorized correctly. Like he's playing Roman and he sees Roman as someone who is, um, can be manipulated. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't, I didn't see that. So like, I thought it made sense, but after we get to know Mankin, like it, it, it does make more sense that he does not want to enter into a relationship, especially with people that he feels like just like fell for his stuff or he feels like he's like smarter than or yeah. whatever. Um, especially all this family, like, Pawning out after him, asking all these questions like Greg yeah, stepping they all, in, like, Connor steps him. in, and all that. Connor stuff. says like, "I have a pitch for you. Let's make like an American-led EU alternative or something." Wherever I did whatever not hear station that. he goes to, <laughs> and then Greg like trying to be like Greg. This is where Greg shoots his shot. Uh, he says like Tom and I were the people who who mm-hmm. announced you. Basically, he just mm-hmm. doesn't care and. Um, Wait, did <laughs> Connor really say that in American EU? That's what he, he says. says to him? Yeah, he says no. He says something like, like an American an, he says led EU, EU alternative. Yes, that's fascinating. Yeah, okay. but then my Some favorite DeSantis part of shit. this like kind of interaction after everyone swarms Mankin is when Ken tells Hugo to go find out what happens in the Shiv and Matson conversation, mm. right? And then you're right though with the Roman Ken situation like Kendall saying, Hey, you fucked it. And like doing what his dad does to Roman, which is like put the, just use shame as like a tactic. Mm -hmm. And I think he is going to like use Roman and kind of spit him out next episode. Okay. If Roman, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to Roman, but it's not going to be good. I have scary predictions. Hopefully they don't come true all the way about what's going to happen next episode. Yeah. Between Kendall and Roman. Well, with Ken though, you are right. in that the idea that Ken's not a serious person when he's like, I should have, you know, stopped it. I like, I blame myself. Like, but he didn't know he was also being manipulated and also even more so by his feelings where he was like, Oh, Shiv wronged us. I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger here to call for Minkin when I know it's the wrong decision. And also because what Shiv says to him, Hey, you were going to throw us overboard, right? Mm -hmm. It's Kendall being able to control the narrative um, and like kind of being given the power 
from his siblings. They were looking to him like they would look to Logan to make a, a final call. It's great nuance. It's great nuance. Every time a character wants to blame another character, you're like, hey, you're also like definitely at fault here. Yeah. So. Okay. So let's go to Minkin, Mats, and Shiv before we go to our penultimate number one boy ranking. Ooh, I can't wait. Okay. So where should we start in the, in the conversation? Let's, let's start with the fact that Matson went from questioning the United States 50 year long democracy. Oh yeah. The to call saying, in the morning. to then saying yes, by the end of the episode to an American CEO, CEO option stand in for him. So he can form an alliance with Mencken. That is hilarious. Yeah. I forgot about that phone call at the beginning where Shiv is talking on the phone with him and she says, you need to drop the numbers like mm-hmm. the two Indias and the inflated uh, subscriber numbers you have because yeah. there's protests going on. There's my dad's death in the news. And today it just became like an amazing day to bury bad news. Yeah. So obviously Shiv and Matson have the best chess moves. I think after this episode, I mean, I think you maybe could argue Kendall's close, but the fact that we at least believe a little bit that Mencken called Matson and said yes to the American CEO position, if that is true, and then also if it is true that Shiv, at the very least Shiv believes that she is going to be that American CEO, yeah. then they are in the best spot as of episode nine, <laughs> <laughs> as of now, to actually kind of win the number one boy position, I guess. Yeah. But in saying all that, if we can say, yes, they had some great chess moves this episode, I want to talk a little bit, little bit about Shiv's character because I think the political philosophy examination of Shiv is really the nail in her character coffin in this episode mm-hmm. because last episode, Shiv, much like the audience, was having like an active panic attack watching the election, but much like every succession episode, like the emotions are fleeting and they're really isn't a lot of constants. The only thing that is a constant is the search for power in this show. And Shiv doesn't seem to care about the things that she's talking about, like pluralism or democracy. She's willing to like team up with Matson, team up with Mankin so she can be CEO. Yeah. She like, not unlike Kendall. Yeah. A a lot of talk about her morals, but they're very easily compromised. Right. Sure. At least she's saying nice things uh, as opposed to her brothers who Kendall stay silent and Roman is awful. Uh, So, Matson knows she's pregnant, and we also know Matson's probably using her. And I think there was a big tell, I think, for why Shiv won't be considered for the CEO position next episode, uh, outside of Matson just being like a predator or a misogynist. Mm-hmm. I think the big tell was how Shiv explained her dad's value system uh, to, yeah. to Mankin. This is where I, I also noted that. I think it was the most interesting part of her conversations of this episode. I think she was kind of delusional in that moment because Mankin told Shiv, Whatever our frictions, there was an ideological sympathy right. with your dad. Yeah. And Shiv replies, well, no, dad was about money, winning, and gossip. So I don't know about all that. And Mencken looks almost surprised by her response, or at least that's the way I interpreted it. It like Shiv has like kind of talked herself into believing her dad was above hyper-nationalist ideologies, some alt-right populist BS yeah. stuff that Mencken represents. So I think she genuinely looks confused and much like Mankin does so well it seems in that moment like she's defending her dad yeah right and yeah I think I think that's right where we talked about this before like Ken is one of the only people who doesn't sugarcoat Mm -hmm. his dad and like build up his dad in the same way um Ken just again uses the fake idea of Logan but she can't right because she's still struggling she's struggling to believe that her dad is a terrible person like she confronts you know asks Frank and Carl early on but yeah so this feels like a little bit the death of like 
leftist capitalist or something like this kind of character this false this faux identity like even Shiv asking Carl and Frank if her dad was that bad it seems like her arc is ending with her realizing she's been in denial about her father's political standing which is I guess Shiv's whole tragic arc herself that she believes in like some kind of egalitarian capitalism or something that somehow you can achieve uh, equitable classes of living while participating in the market. She's very unclear about her own value system. And I think has a very warped idea of Logan's philosophies. Like I think she would be surprised probably by Logan's conversation specifically with Colin at the beginning of the season about people being markets. I don't think Logan has ever talked that way to his kids. Based I don't on know the, if, I don't know if it's that he's never talked to them that way. I don't think she was like really listening. Like she was okay. like, it was like selective hearing of like who she wanted that, that to think right. her yeah. dad was right. Yeah. Because there were moments where I like throughout the series where she would be like, but you don't actually like think that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Or, or she'd be like, Oh, well, dad, was just, line stuff. dad was just doing like big talk for uh-huh. the business. Right. Or for the, the stock price. And yeah. like, I think that she like talked herself into believing that lie but knows in her heart that he is a terrible person. And I think even at the beginning of this episode, Shiv is talking to Matson and says, well, I don't, we don't know if Macon's going to win yet because Matson says, I would probably have to get close with him. Like it does look like that. And she says that Macon is out of tune with some of the deep sentiments in this country. Like, and you know, Matson again is like, no, I don't, I don't think so. Like I, I know, uh, your base of like ATN and Megan's totally possible. And I think that Shiv like naive, isn't the word, but maybe like delusional in the idea that she thinks that she can separate her choices mm-hmm. from her ideology, which again, like Armstrong said, he was having these characters conflict yeah, come, yeah. come to terms with and have this collision of what their personal um, ideologies might be like Shiv. Um, and then being like, well, you can't be separate from that. And you're like what, what you're doing, which is waste. Yeah. How ethical can you realistically be in the market? Like that, that is basically the kind of center question at the heart of Shiv. And if she accepts the fact that her father was a cog in the system that's destroying the planet, then she has to accept that she also is that person. And that, that living paradox for someone like Shiv, I think would actually kill her character in a metaphorical way. And I think that that's what we're leading toward now. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing. When Matson says that we'll do a US CEO in the Macon conversation at the reception, mm-hmm. Macon says, I thought you hated me to Shiv. Mm-hmm. And Matson says, and kind of like nudges Shiv like, oh, well you would be happy if Macon won. Right. And she doesn't say it. She says like, whatever I think personally doesn't matter. And like, I think that Minkin at the very beginning of that conversation told her what he was interested in, which was that someone agrees with him mm-hmm. instead of someone um, being able to offer him even like, like money or power. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that's also something that he would, I, the reason I don't think Shiv is going to be CEO at the end of this too, is that newspaper from the very beginning where it says that Shiv vehemently opposes Macon, right? Like in the news, uh, Shiv yeah. has said that she is against Macon and I can't see him siding with Matson on a, the contingency that Shiv is the CEO. I agree. Uh, we can get into that in predictions about what that phone call meant at the end of the episode. But I do think, like we said, Matson Shiv won this episode for chess moves I, I, on the surface. I, Hey, I don't think they won enough to I be number one boy. To, so if we want to go into okay, power rankings yeah, let's now, go into power rankings then we can then. do that. Okay. So number one boy to bore on the floor 
Should we do number one first? Yeah, I, I'm sticking with Kendall. He is the juice. I also right now. have Kendall. Evil I juice, also have but he's Kendall. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because it seems like Kendall has more momentum right now, right? It seems yeah. like Matson and Shiv are trying to like pull a, a half court shot at the like last minute. And Ken yep. though is like slowly building, like truly like turning yeah. into this evil, like the the music Darth Vader. Yeah, he's full on. He, yeah, I mean, he is scary right now. Yeah. I mean, he's using Logan logic. And anytime someone's used Logan logic in the show, Tom included being another scary figure, very similar to Kendall. I think of that diner scene a lot. I bring it up a lot on this podcast between Kendall and Tom in that conversation. They are two people who understand how to succeed in this Logan world and using his logic is a very, we shouldn't take that lightly. And so I think your analogy is right about the half court shot. So also Kendall has the EBA information and the whole blood situation. Like that's a pretty big deal. And he can use that as leverage if ultimately he is losing the company. So I like him at number one. Number two, then Matson, right? Yeah, I have Matson at number two. Okay, so... Because it is very likely that one of them could end up with the company at the end of this, so... So, as of now, our power rankings from episodes one through eight stands at Ken, Matson, Greg at three, four, Shiv, and five, Roman. Oh, that so, was our last Yeah, ranking? our last episode. The last time we updated this ranking, it was Ken, Matson, Greg, Shiv, and Roman. Okay. So, right now, we agree Ken and Matson should stay. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So who's at three then? Because we had Greg. I uh, have Greg again, but after we went through this whole, uh, like putting together all the puzzle pieces of this episode, I don't know if I'm as confident in Greg. So I have Shiv at three. Okay. Yeah. Because we had Shiv at four last episode, so I don't mind moving her up one, putting Greg down one. Yeah. Well, I more so think that Greg, like I said last episode, if Matson does take over, Mm -hmm. Greg will be with Matson because Matson likes him. Yes. And then I also think that Greg told Kendall the very important information that Shiv was on team Matson the, in like the last episode in America decides at the very end. Mm -hmm. And then Greg shrugs when he sees Shiv. So Greg's like safe either way, I think. Um, so he could work for either Kendall or Matson, but I don't think like with the information that we have, because Shiv could do something. She is like a more powerful player. She could get Jerry. That would she, be big. I guess she could. Yeah, that would be huge. Because for, her, for the, um, the US CEO or well, the CE bros. Yeah. So in order oh, to get them out, I see. To yeah, convince but, shareholders. Okay. To get them out to do a vote of no confidence, that's what she would have to do. I think, right? Yeah, but the only thing is, even if like Shiv got Jerry to come to her side, and um, because Jerry likes that Matson seemingly values her or mm-hmm. put her on the no kill list, right yeah. after Norway. Um, even though I think that was like Shiv doing that. Shiv though ultimately. I, I don't know. Like she, I'm assuming is not going to be picked by Matson. Okay. So I, so I guess I that's know. all that matters. You're talking about the Gojo buyout. So whoever Matson ends up picking is, is who should be higher in the ranking. So I, I put Shiv at three, four, Greg, five, Tom, just full transparency. I have that. Well, I had Kendall, Matson, Greg, Shiv, Tom. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to keep, which, what should we do here? I, I think, don't know. I think Shiv proved I think Shiv does, yeah, that she at least deserves to spot. be three, even if we were calling BS on the fact that Matson would pick her. Well, okay. So here's the, here's the reason. Um, the number one boy ranking is kind of the like evil moves ranking, yeah. right? <laughs> like an award. So I think that Shiv, you're right, should be at number three because she's ultimately like making more moves than Greg. It's just that Greg's going to be safe. So he like goes 
possibly higher because yeah. he, he has more probability, right? <laughs> like, so um, let's go ahead with, let's go with Shiv. Shiv at three. Sure. Okay, so yeah. Kendall one, two Matson, Shiv three, four Greg, five Tom. This was our last power ranking sort of because next episode we'll kind of know who our number one boy is i will say bore on the floor our last real bore on the floor being tom of the show and greg and greg is really funny um (laughs) i think we could be really regretting this and that all the tom seeds have been planted throughout the show and he might be the underdog here that has always been waiting to take over the yeah. company. Well, I think that us putting Shiv at three, like we're just doing that based off, based off the knowledge we have right now. Yeah. Um, but I do think like, let's go ahead and get to the phone call with Matson. He looks like he, when he says, Hey, okay. we got a yes from Mankin. Yeah. Um, and I think I can make a US CEO work. It mm-hmm. looks like he's looking at someone in the car. Exactly. I thought the same exact thing. And also we know that he's sexist. He's like a predator and he actually will not probably not put her in a position of power. Well, I think we can hundred percent. She's pregnant. She's hundred percent. Sure. Like he would never, the kind of person we know he is, he would yeah. never let a pregnant woman in a leadership position. And also, so that kind of confirms my idea that when he smiled and when she walked away at the funeral, like mm-hmm. he was like, Oh, I'm just like, you actually are my puppet when she was like, if people are saying, yeah. You know. So we know he trusts Greg. He thinks he's sexy. Also, Tom, uh, who he thinks will do anything for him. And Tom's made that very clear, Yeah, but I think he hates Tom. So I don't know if you remember last episode on the pod. I said that I don't know if Jesse will actually let a tech bro try to buy out a legacy company because I think the opposite is kind of happening in our economy right now. Like we have uh, share prices that are really inflated for massive tech companies. And a lot of these CEOs are running on what some people predict are, are speculating that are fake numbers inflated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two Indias. yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so it's possible, I guess that what we're doing right now is just kind of a waste of time. And Kendall is going to run this company and your original prediction of him running the company. And we can get to predictions in a second is going to come true. So all of this is probably for nothing that we're arguing about <laughs> in the power rankings for the last time well, we do this. Well, it's important to know but, who's on the board, right? But yeah. So just to give listeners some context, if you haven't listened to our season one deep dive, I actually just wanted to read our power rankings from season one, episode one of this entire show. Oh, wow. Okay. So number one, we had Logan who is dead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, we had Kendall. So oh. that, that checks. Yeah. Number three, we had Lawrence who From was Valter. the head of Walter. Okay. And he was like, I'm going to like, I'm going to take your family. Yeah. yeah. He said, I'm going to eat your I'm family. I'm going to eat your yeah. family. So he was kind of scary and yeah. threatening at that point. Also, I like the actor who played Lawrence. Number four, cousin Craig. Cousin Craig. We had Greg at I number go by four. Both. <laughs> wow. And then number five, Tom. Wow. So I think it's kind of interesting. The only characters that are in the show right now, are Kendall, Greg, and Tom that are left from our season one, episode one power ranking. Yeah. Well, I think the I if I remember correctly, the reason we didn't have Roman and Shiv on the number one boy ranking is because in the first episode, they're not in the company. Yeah, they're not. Um, and also when they're asked to sign the, you know, the document where that Kendall already signs and mm-hmm. doesn't read the the fine print, which is why Logan kind of says, like, I'm taking CEO back again. Shiv and and Roman, like both want to look at it. They aren't sure like if they want to give over power, but they're not ultimately like vying for power or for CEO. They're just kind of like doing self-preservation. So that way they can stay like out of, of Logan's like grass because (laughs) basically, yeah, yeah, like Shiv's working in politics and Roman just got out of the company Mm -hmm. before he's like, he was working in movies, I think. 
Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. He was working. Well, I mean, he was still like in the company, division. I guess. Yeah. But he was doing that Turkey movie or something. So maybe you're right. He was working in so um, film. Now I want to back up just really quickly to episode one of season four, because we've said a lot in the show that you can track what happens in the finale of succession by looking at what happened in episode one yeah. of season four. I'm about to talk about that a little bit more in my predictions, but I'm just going to give you our power rankings from episode one of season four. Okay. We had number one, Gojo, which is what we called Matson. <laughs> okay. I don't know why we didn't call him Matson. Uh, number two, Shiv. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Number three, Kendall. Number four, Logan dead. Five, Tom. Five A, okay. Roman. So <laughs> the only thing I found interesting there is that we had Shiv at number two. Well, that um, was because she was crucial to the Pierce. Like, yeah, they were even like 10 they, million. <laughs> what about 12 million? Even though they totally like swing the doors open. Yeah. They're like, we got a Listen, deal. Man. The Pierce totally like manipulated them. Nan Pierce yeah. to get them to pay a higher price than Logan was even going to. Yeah. But Shiv was like crucial, I guess, like in that, that buying Pierce. So that way they could have something that's actually viable or possibly like be in a position of power where, you know, the 100 mm-hmm. was probably going to How many flop. voicemails do you think the Pierces have left the Roy's in the past <laughs> seven or eight days? Also, the people from the 100, are they like, okay, so I know their dad died, but they haven't gotten back to us in like yeah, a week. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, yeah. it's probably like, what's oh, going tell on, you. guys? Um, yeah. no, wow, that seems like three years ago or something. I know, yeah. Wow. Okay, so should we do predictions or extra credits? Let's get to extra credits. Okay. So my extra credits are the UN speech and then like cutting to Roman and Ken with the eyes. I just thought that was so great to show us that the kids basically are still kids, like trying to get their approval of their father. Mm -hmm. And then I also just love the small details of shooting the funeral procession. Oh, like the multi-camera setup? Yeah. And Mark Mylod in the after succession episode, if you are like go down on HBO under the episode talked about how he said it was one cut that they kept doing over and over again from Mm -hmm. when they carried the casket down the aisle to the speeches. Yeah. So what I understood that to mean was that that they took a single take just like over and over again. Yeah. Um, Similar to how they talked about how they did that in the episode that they found out that Logan was dead. They like did a bunch of one shots and then they used the best one. Yeah. It's really, really wild. Interesting to listen to him talk about that. He also directed episode three like that, apparently, from this season. He did yeah, yeah, that's similar. the one I was talking about. The, oh, okay. The one where the kids find out. that. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, then they film him like going up the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, and just so people know, Mark Mylod is also the filmmaker from um, The Menu, mm-hmm. which was great last year. So uh, something I also want to mention, because you said HBO. I'm not familiar with that channel. This uh, this show, show Succession is <laughs> on Max now. Do you think it's funny that there's like a mega streaming merger between discovery plus and hbo max and like the warner brothers discovery of it all happening at the same time of like a major merger and the number one stream show on tv right now it's kind of hilarious it's funny well the, the best part to me is in the max commercials the succession um clips being used as inspirational like moments oh my god yeah I, I think kendall was like there's a time to choose and i was like you do they used not the kendall this. they yeah, used kendall oh I my said god that in one of the previous episodes like they they used him as like a that. poster boy. I was like, no, guys. Like, <laughs> you do not want Kendall Roy as like your the advertisers were not quote. watching succession. Yeah. Um, I want to give extra credit to Jesse Armstrong ending this show because okay. I think my only critique of succession is its literal existence. <laughs> and uh, I guess, you know, to explain that 
quickly. I think if this show kept going for a few more seasons, it could tread a little too closely to a very like entertaining, even escapist just piece of content. And that choice of extending the life of this show would be at a, I think a pretty weird cost of audiences like forgiving these horrible predator megalomaniac Roy family figures. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really think Jesse Armstrong had the ability to become like a Logan Roy. (laughs) If he kept the show going for seven or eight seasons, he would have made tens of millions of dollars and we would have all been so glued to it and been a little too connected. So I think the most British thing the show did is basically pre cancel itself (laughs) to bring our pre language back. Like it's at its highest ratings right now it's ever had. And I don't want to, you know, speculate too far on this thought because I've, I've mentioned this before and, and we don't know if this is true at all, but I constantly wonder if Armstrong sees the American reaction to this show and the obsession with the Roy's. And I wonder if he, if he thinks like, what have I done here? Because I did not expect people to like these characters hmm. this much. Cause I know he sympathizes with them because he wrote them, but for other people to, be so forgiving and not know all the context. Like he knows, like I'm sure Jesse's like thought of like all the backgrounds for all these characters in their childhoods, but we have no idea of any of that, like yeah. lore that he's built into these characters. So we're not as connected as them. Um, so I just think the fact that Americans seem to want more of this family is the point of the show's meta satire. If there is like a main meta through line, that would be it outside of like the obvious, like poison dripping through with generational trauma and, the wealthy controlling politics, Mm -hmm. I think would have to be like the ways our American audiences have been like indoctrinated to want to live through billionaires, deluded titans in our market. So I just wanted to give extra credit to like him kind of canceling the show before it could could get canceled, which is pretty awesome. Okay. Before people like, because there's a difference between empathizing with the characters and being like, wow, like the, the idea of Logan, like the poison drips through deconstructing power. power yeah. Almost. But also like having perspective of the characters like power and uh-huh. resources. And uh, yeah, I, I wonder what his reaction to the reaction is. You're right. Uh, yeah, that's funny. He'll though. never tell us. <laughs> He'll never the tell extra people. Credit is him ending the show. Yeah. I, I do think I would watch this for so many seasons. I know. That's what I'm saying. I though. know, but I, but I mean like, Oh, do you remember I how this? Do you I remember, understand what you're saying about people like sympathizing too hardcore, or or like viewing it purely as a drama and not like a satire. So, okay, so you know how we talked about Logan peddling drugs through like uh, pe- feeding on people's prejudice, um, mm-hmm. and that's a part of like his evil arc. Yeah, this show in season one, episode one, ends with a little boy being traumatized by Roman uh, at the like softball game. Yeah, yeah. And then the boy being handed a watch in like a NDA to sign. Right. And the watch being worth like $15,000. That'll pay for like half a year of college for Mm -hmm. this kid eventually. And it goes back to this boy's family's home. And they're in this like apartment high rise in the middle of a city. And they're all watching like ATN or the news or media. And they're all just glued to their television screens. And I think there is something deeply cynical about this show. Again, like extending its life a little too long. Because I think it has some pretty dark thoughts about the way that we're connected and the way we all, what you're saying, like empathize with these figures and the way that we're almost addicted to our, our screens in that way. And the, and these people feeding us ideas. That was, um, uh, that was a shot that we never really saw again. Like where I think it might the zoom out like and then we hear all the noise, like all the TVs, all the talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was, 
thinking do you think the show will end similar to that i don't think so i think they didn't know in the pilot like exactly how they wanted to shoot it and mark mylod has done all the first and last episodes i don't know if he did the first episode for season one okay i don't think he did gotcha but jesse armstrong does write like the first and last few episodes yeah adam mckay the big short director did the first episode okay mark mylod did the next two yeah yeah uh and also we didn't maybe we didn't say this before but we were going to speak to mark mylod about the menu but there was like a scheduling info or issue yeah we're still trying to get him on the show for succession it's really hard to get people from the show on pods right now because you basically have to be a major podcast network or a major uh um news company to be able to get people on the show because hbo is being very like careful on who's getting screeners for this final episode and also who's doing interviews because Jesse Armstrong's talked about how he doesn't want to divulge too much about his opinions on the reaction to the show on like what he thinks about the way he's ended the show on his relationship to like HBO through all this too. So he's been very cautious about how the way he's explaining his own thoughts. That makes sense. And so of all the, honestly, so of all the performers that except for, Brian Cox. He's a, he's, he's a different <laughs> yeah. animal. Um, yeah. He's very, he has Logan moments. Okay. So besides uh, the Kendall music, which was such a, a great like drop, mm-hmm. uh, that's it for me for extra credits. Okay. Predictions. Yeah. Predictions. So, so do we think we're going to the Caribbean? So yeah. Okay. So Caribbean air clear. Yeah. There's a drop where in the limo when the siblings are headed to the funeral and there's that gridlock and they have the protesters like coming and hitting their window mm-hmm. and the kids are like, scared yeah they're like oh wait this is like turn into like the dark night rises exactly yeah Yeah. so bane's out there yeah yeah and there's not many moments where they're like in the streets with people um to see the impact of what they're doing and the choices that they're making because they're gaining approval from their dad Mm -hmm. so that was interesting but in the car they mentioned that caroline their mom invited them to a, a air clear yeah yeah and i do think that's probably where we might stop by next episode. My prediction for next episode is that we'll have a lot of different like visits similar to the Adam Brody episode where Logan and Kendall go to Adam Brody. I wish Adam Brody was in this show. Oh my God. I said Adam Brody. (laughs) Adam Brody would be great on this show. Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. Thank you. Yeah. Adam Brody would be awesome. Yeah. Adam Brody (laughs) would be maybe great in everything. He's so good. Any Um, Adam Brody fans out there, go watch a movie called The Kid Detective. Came out a few years ago. So good. Excellent. Yeah. And also he plays someone rich in... Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Yeah. Yeah. So he'd be great in Succession World. But I think we're going to go to all the different board members and like hit different people. And we're going to see a lot of different people coming back where it will actually be like the Super Bowl uh, episode. Do you have any prediction that you want to throw out there before we My get into the crazy ones. My only thing is that I don't think Ken or I sorry, I don't think Shiv is going to get CEO. Mm-hmm. I think Matson's going to give it to someone else. I don't know if Macon is playing Matson similar to Roman and Ken. Like I just can't see him siding with them besides the fact that he doesn't want to side with Kendall and Roman. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. And then my so my prediction basically is like the the season ends in one of two ways. One, Ken is on top and that would fully close the arc of Ken winning, you know, on the surface, but it's still a tragedy because he has basically lost everything to get there. Similar to Logan, like estranged his siblings. Um, he no longer has a relationship with his wife and children. Um, even if he gets like full custody, similar Logan track with family, Mm -hmm. And that would be what I've been predicting, but I don't know if that's what we're going to see because 
Jesse Armstrong has very clearly laid breadcrumbs and usually he subverts us at the end, but that could still be a subversion. Yeah. Right? Number two is that Ken and the siblings lose everything. Yeah. Lose to Matson. Matson takes Shiv's husband. Yeah. 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 So I mean, or, but I don't know, I don't know about Tom yet, but, or that they just, the kids lose everything and, um, they're left with what they think is nothing, but they, it's similar to what they talked about at the end of Shiv's wedding where they were like, well, we're no one, we're mm-hmm. nobodies. Like we would just have money. That's where they're mad at Kendall yeah. for doing the bear hug. Okay. I basically agree with all of that. Um, I mean, look, we, we've done almost 30 hours of succession on mics <laughs> and we've basically written character essays in our notes, trying to figure out the show and psychologizing characters and listening to every time Jesse Armstrong has talked about politics for the past 25 years. And I feel like we've been annotating the writer's room's choices for like three months of doing this show. So I'll be repeating myself for the next few minutes, probably for longtime listeners, but for new listeners, I basically think this show will end how it started. We say a lot that succession can be only predicted if you stay in the episode one framework of each season. So like judging episode one of each season and then predicting the finale is the only way to understand where this show is going because there is so much entertaining noise and distractions in between the season opener and finale. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I went back and I listened to our season four episode one pod and we said that the 100 was a misdirect. Okay. That Shiv, Roman, and Kendall will all compete with one another by the end of the season for Logan's position. Because the episode one of season four ends with Kendall, Roman, and Shiv hugging one another because they screwed over their dad. Yeah. And we were like, that hug is going to turn into like knifing one another. Yeah. And we said that Jesse Armstrong would Game of Thrones red wedding the siblings where they all meet their character deaths. We said that Kendall would be delusional and paranoid with the death of the server probably still haunting him, which hasn't happened yet. Yeah. We said that Shiv would be lost with her like political identity and would feel a little bit guilty with tampering with the witness with the cruise lines in season two, which hasn't happened yet. But obviously the Kendall part of him being paranoid and delusional happened. Shiv being lost in her identity happened. Yeah. I don't know if that specifically will happen with Shiv, but I think we've seen her have a character death in in the same way that we were expecting that to come back to her is like her ideology coming back to clash with her real identity. Right. And then I think the claim to fame with our pod, (laughs) not, not, (laughs) not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but with Roman, we said he'd have the saddest ending, which is that he would self-destruct for harassing Jerry, which was kind of like hot takey in the moment for us. Um, but like, I think, we were pretty early on Roman harassing Jerry and like that idea that Jerry would come back and try to hold him accountable for what he's done with his actions. And we still haven't seen that happen either, but she did tell him he's going to do that. And I don't think the show's going to end without getting a little bit more on that. Um, but basically our predictions about these characters dying, like symbolically was right. I think the craziest part of re-listening to that first episode of season four is that we talked for like five minutes at the end about how, Americans are so obsessed with the characters and we were wondering how much Armstrong would be satirizing the American audience and their connection to the Roy's mm-hmm. verse continuing the political satire of the show. So like, instead of trying to like analyze how are these characters going to end their arcs? I'm trying to think like, what does Jesse Armstrong would want to say? This guy who's worked in politics at a very young age, Connor Roy. <laughs> uh, but I mean, actually Jesse Armstrong <laughs> did work in politics at a very young age, which is funny. Now, now that I'm saying it out loud, Uh, And he's done political satire and written for a long time. So I'm kind of wondering, like, how does he want to go out like with this show? Because it Mm -hmm. might be honestly, even though he's a great writer, you don't get a lot of chances like chances like this to make big prestige television shows. 
So I am curious to like what else he's got left in the tank. This seems like something he's been working on for 25 years. Um, so I think, I think Kendall, starting with Kendall, I think Kendall wants to have his father's physical scars. And I think that's the way Armstrong is writing Kendall, this kind of tragic arc for him. But all Kendall has are like all these emotional scars that can't quite live up to the abused and abusive ghost of Logan. So I think Kendall will try his best in the finale to become Neo Logan by giving other people scars, whether that be psychological or physical ones. I think virtue signaling Kendall, fuck the patriarchy Kendall and protecting younger siblings, Kendall, like not letting Logan or others put Roman down, for example, or Shiv with Tom. I think those versions of Kendall are gone in the finale. And I think he'll probably be like a ruthless, indifferent Sith Lord, how we've been talking about him version Mm -hmm. of his character. He basically becomes Logan uh, with some Joker vibes. And that was kind of your prediction halfway through this season. Yeah. I was thinking about how like Armstrong would subvert us because he always has a twist in the last episode of, of every season so far. And it would be a twist for like Ken to be in charge and lose everything. And I don't know why I thought about that. Like halfway lose everything like relationships. Yeah. Like lose his siblings have to like basically cut off Rava, like cut off his family and just to have power, like Mm -hmm. similar to what you're saying about Logan. But now I don't know because it is so clear. Like we've been talking about this episode, but maybe, you know what, if I was thinking it like kind of early on, maybe there's evidence, you know, there's a feeling. Yeah. Well, I actually don't know. Do you think it's more satisfying to see Kendall lose the company to Matson and then him and his siblings still become estranged? Or do you think it's more satisfying, like dramatically, dramaturgically, uh, <laughs> to see Kendall be CEO and then lose his relationship to his siblings? Because either way, he's going to lose his relationship to his siblings, right? We both agree with that. But yeah. which, which do you think is more? I think it would be sadder to ending? see him in power. Okay. Because I think there's like hope if I think he you're isn't right. in power. Yeah. Because then he can go maybe do something else or like yeah. there's more hope attached where I think like to double down in Logan's behavior and his role as mm-hmm. the head of Waystar feels more tragic. Okay. So before I get to Roman and Shiv with final predictions, and I know this is a lot, a long pod listeners, but this is kind of like our last time <laughs> yeah. really deep diving succession. And before we, the show never has any more lore. This is it after this next episode. So this is our final predictions. I just want to mention the fact that Kendall said that he wouldn't forget what Shiv did with that letter. Oh, yeah. uh, that she put out there about him. I think she said he relapsed. He was having problems with his family. Yeah. Um, and also Roman pushing Kendall over on his birthday party and then Kendall having like a mental breakdown um, the, later that night. Yeah. And uh, well, I think he says to Shiv, like, I don't think we come back from this. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to try to remember those two moments because Kendall tricked all of us the way season two ended um, because we never saw it coming that he would uh, knife Logan in the back mm-hmm. at the end of season two. And I really feel like we might see something here where Kendall goes full Logan and knifes both Shiv and Roman in the back where loves them, not in love with them. Like he's kind of already told us. Yeah. And when Kendall did that kind of conversation with, had that conversation with Frank out in the, in the closet, I was like, okay, I'm getting some season two, end of season two vibes from Kendall right here. Like he's got some Terminator vibe that if he does go full Logan Terminator, we could see some like metaphorical abuse or we could see some like literal Kendall pushing over Roman kind of stuff possibly. So yeah. I just want to, well, I'm, I'm also like open to being surprised for something else. Like, okay. could, it, could it go a different way than Matson or Kendall, you know? 
We'll see. Um, it's definitely not going in Roman's way, uh, but I do want to mention that like Roman's arc is interesting the way Armstrong has written him. I think this might be kind of like what we see him do next episode. Roman is going to be very muted uh, in comparison to everything else we've seen this season. Like I think his full arc of being preyed on as a child and then we watch him become the predator is really interesting and him facing these consequences and he sort of self-destructs in these past two episodes. And it feels like we've seen now the death of multiple versions of Roman. So I don't know if you, if you feel this way, but I feel like his arc is supposed to resemble um, Rose. Now that we know more about Rose and her character. Oh, that's interesting. Like the Logan, Ewan, yeah, Rose. Rose connection. Shiv, yeah. Like Shiv is like Roman, Ewan. Kendall, yeah. And then Rose and Roman, I think are connected in a weird way where I think Roman will end this show behind the scenes of whatever is going on between Kendall and Madsen's team. And I think Roman will be like Rose in the sense where he's a distant, hazy memory in the minds of the siblings, especially Kendall, if he becomes powerful and runs the company. Um, and then like what you're saying with Shiv, probably the most difficult character to understand on this show. I think this has been the toughest for Jesse Armstrong and his team to write is like how to, the, how to connect all this, the crazy things going on in the show with whatever Shiv is going through and her political identity and her like connection to Tom. She has all this internalized sexism and has grown up around misogyny from abusive men. So she only really knows how to connect to men uh, who are willing to be abused like she was. And that is Tom to her, I think. And she's kind of also at the same time, unable to separate her wealth maybe from her value system, which we keep talking about now Mm -hmm. with her character. That seems pretty obvious and that she's now aware of, I think. And I think this finale will probably make it very clear. Uh, Maybe even getting a self-reflective moment on it where she's just been like posturing her morals and she's like a faux progressive person who will probably be screwed over by Kendall and possibly screwed over by Tom. So I think she is supposed to represent the jaded Uncle Ewan character uh, that kind of gets forced out of the family and then rewrites the narrative a little bit when, you know, she's older. Yeah, because remember Logan uh, during, I think it's the Thanksgiving episode, right, where Ewan comes and, and he says like Ewan's full of shit, mm-hmm. right? And we can assume Kendall that, will say something very similar about yeah, Shiv. Yeah, yeah, like there's this idea of of Shiv in the future, like going off and and doing maybe more so now that she's cut out, because mm-hmm. then that's her reality, similar to how she's making decisions here, like you know backing Jimenez because she's cut out of the family. Yeah, um, where we know that she would back Megan if it brought brought her power. But I do like that idea of her in the future, like. Uh, donating to Greenpeace and yeah. then Ken saying like at Thanksgiving like oh Shiv like wants power yeah <laughs> bullshit yeah yeah and then we have the alternative ending of Tom and Greg let's talk about it running the empire being puppeteered by Matt I can't see it it's less know. interesting is it too comical I think so I think it it almost it doesn't totally it's like a massive misdirect because Greg doesn't have experience. Like, I don't think that like Matson yeah. isn't, you know, this like serious person or anything like that. He gets all nervous when he's talking to Mankin. Yeah. He's social anxiety. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't understand either what Mankin really wants. Like he tells Mankin, Hey, like there are very small people or a few number of leaders, um, in this space mm-hmm. of social media. Everyone has it and everyone's listening to it. Like it's controlling people, their algorithms, but few people know how to use it. And I'm one of those, those leaders in the thought space mm-hmm. and Macon just like lets out a big sigh. I don't know if you noticed that. And so I think that Macon, I did. Yeah. Was, or, I think that Matson, Yeah. Um, wouldn't maybe put Greg in charge Ooh. because he also doesn't have 
uh, experience as like a CEO well, from, or an executive. Like, from Armstrong's besides perspective. Besides suing Greenpeace, maybe yes. that would be something that Megan's interested in. Okay, but from Armstrong's perspective, let's put Greg aside. What about Tom, though? Because I wouldn't be too surprised if he was trying to connect the Minnesota boy and the Swedish boy as the like outsiders of generational wealth. And they, they are kind of like new wealth in our like late capitalism globalization world. So I think that'd be a pretty interesting ending and how it connects the culture today. But again, I, I, that might seem like too much of a different show. Yeah, but show. also like Tom is in the news for this like scandal. Yeah. Tom's all over that that front you know, like page uh, column about... Helping Mankin. Making, yeah, but I know it that is. That is about, kind of the yeah. trio of them, right? Matt, Matson, Tom, Mankin. They could like have a trio. Yeah. It would be interesting. I don't know if it would hit as They're hard. They're all like willing to sell their soul. Yeah. So. Hmm. I don't know if it would be a satisfying ending. I mean, maybe if we see the siblings break up, everything is a satisfying ending, like thematically. Yeah. I think it was only satisfying when Tom like betrayed Shiv or whatever by siding with Logan it, mm-hmm. because we know that the siblings want Logan's approval. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it if it's as impactful, especially since Tom hasn't really been in the lives of all the siblings as much. Yeah. Oh, I don't know though. They've just been saying like, oh, like we hate Tom, like <laughs> like publicly yeah. and also to him when he walks by. So, I mean, I could see it. I just don't know again, like if it will be the major move. Does that make sense? Like we have to have some, Armstrong will incorporate something that is like very uh, moving and I agree. Maybe haunting, right? So I see it more so like just just the, the kids basically like messing it up for themselves yeah. in some sort of way. Yeah. Uh, but I can't see Tom and Greg in power. I mean, I, okay, c- but- I could see it happening. Yes. With the different like pieces of evidence that we've been given, like yeah. small things, right? Like Greg being on Matt's inside, but I can't like in my mind, I'm like, is that, would it's difficult that? to conceptualize. Yeah. yeah. So, but there are three what endings, point, right? The, the, the question is what point would he be making by doing that? Yeah. That's more of what I'm getting yeah. at. Like, so Armstrong can make three endings. One, can, well, there could be something crazy that happens, but three end, endings that thematically make sense. One, Kendall's in power, becomes Logan, estranges his siblings, doesn't have a connection to Raba, and like takes his kids, custody of his kids and starts over. Gen- the, Cuts the, his siblings off. Yeah. Poison drips power. through. Iverson's the next Kendall. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's, or, <laughs> Ivy, yeah. yeah. So that's what happens. Or Kendall loses the company to, to the Swede and, and whoever. Right. And uh, him and his siblings all hate each other, but they're like the loneliest billionaires ever. At least they believe so. And then <laughs> the third ending would Start be. Start the 200. <laughs> uh, and then the third, 101. The third ending would be Tom and Greg working together. They pushed all the siblings down the stairs and mm-hmm. they work with Matson and Mankin and start new, new wealth, new generational wealth, new culture. Or something else. Or the fourth ending, which is something completely different. Yeah. So if it is a fourth and there is something completely different, I love Jesse Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so sick. 90 um, minutes. Oh my God. I can't wait. Quick cue. Yeah. Is Kendall going to have a relapse? He was drinking. All so right. are we going to drinking? So we saw cigarette, reception. cigarette two episodes mm-hmm. ago, alcohol this past episode. Mm-hmm. Do we get drugs, hard drugs in this next one? Uh, Is he with Stewie doing Coke? Is I, that what's going to happen? It's possible. Know. Can you imagine they do that though? How subtle that was yeah. if they do do that? Because I feel be like it's already planted for, the, you know, they don't even have to do the hard drugs. I feel like it's already kind of. It's in the the, yeah, the well, logic the of Kendall's character, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, last cue, and we're done here. Will there be a time jump? No, no, no. I don't old, think so. No they old haven't Kendall done any Roy flashbacks. They haven't. Yeah, done, yeah. I don't think they'll. No, do there like will an be epilogue. blood ending where like little Iverson comes to seek his father's love and is denied. 
I don't think so. Kendall's like, you drink my milkshake? <laughs> Nothing like that? Uh, okay. No time jumps then. No end of Harry Potter. That's, that's okay. Yeah. All right. That was the extra credits of Succession season four, episode nine, Church and State. Great title. Yeah. Our Spider-Man rewatch is done. For those of you who follow us on Letterboxd, if you don't, that is in the description. Go ahead and follow us. The big episode for that will be dropping soon. And our mailbag is still on its way. I'm assuming we'll do a reaction pod to the finale of Succession. Uh, but that could be up next Monday. It could be up Sunday night. Depends on where you live. So that's our plan right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really stressed that this is the end of the show. And I'm also really happy because it's the perfect time to end it, I think. Uh, how do you feel? I'm, I don't know. I'm going to miss Succession. Yeah. Because I think that like we're mainly a movie podcast for anyone who just started following us with uh, Succession or yeah. The Last of Us. But uh, movies are like coming back. They're back. Um, and so I feel like we're making our best of list and we're already like, wow, this is going to be a big year. Yeah. Not that TV. Like, I feel like people talk about TV and or miscategorize TV and yeah. something that's not meaningful. That's not what I mean to say here. Yeah. But I do think that succession is like on a different level. Like it's the a, text is just way yeah, different than anything else we've covered. It's like some of the best movies that you see, except like when you want more from that world mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like you're just following a plot. Like it really feels like you are, are getting like different, like it's a more nuanced, like comment each time. And so I, I do get like ending where it is, but I'm going to miss it. I'm going to really miss it too. <laughs> All right. This has been Trey. And this is Kelsey. Peace. Bye.